Friday, November 16th, 2018, you are tuned into Season 2, Episode 45 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, presented by Hameen Media. And now in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, Rick and I are talking the NFL, NCAA, some basketball, Red vs. Blue, Cody Don't Call Him Rhodes, World Tag League, and TakeOver War Games. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but please join me in welcoming in my tag team partner, Huckleberry number one. RBV! Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me! It's that order of the beat of the V, Rick Victory here. Welcome back, my friends, to where the good times never end. Yes, this is the Hitting Monk Pro Wrestling Podcast. But Jarger, I got everyone know. You had me a little nervous going into this week's show, man. I, I thought I was going to maybe have to do this solo, so I went out and got myself all prepped up. How was I going to edit? Just put something together. I mean, technology pretty much almost... Dropped your ass this week. Yeah, te- te- technology tried to give me a heart attack the other day is what's going on. Uh, for those who haven't heard, my uh, MacBook Pro decided that it wasn't going to work the other night, and it threw everything into complete freaking chaos. I mean, it's not like we're getting ready to do a live show on Twitch this Sunday or anything. Absolutely freaking insanity, man. I, I about had a heart attack myself. Threw me into a panic attack. That's a true story. <laughs> what did it I kind of figured that's what happened because you went silent there for a while. So you just had to step away, remove yourself from the situation. You did. You ended up taking care of it. Thankfully, we are we are rocking and rolling here. We can't be stopped. But, you know, the, of all weeks, as you said, you know, we've got a live show coming up Sunday over on the Hami Media platform. But that's going to be a Survivor Series pre-show. Not only is it going to be the pre-show, not it going to be live. We're going to be taking calls from uh, from the Hameen Army. From everybody who doesn't live in Jersey. Hey, and that, and that, I just want to clear things up. That is not a shot at you, Gooch, because uh, Gooch got a little upset over that. <laughs> Jersey Mike actually hit me up, and he's like, I really can't call the show. And it's like, did you know gullible's not in the dictionary? You should look it up. Goddamn people. Uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting week here, Rick. Uh, we, we, we definitely have plenty of pro wrestling news to talk about. And in fact, uh, for segment two, we're going to bring on the editor in chief from last word on pro wrestling.com, Jamie Greer. He's going to help us talk about a little bit of Cody Rhodes and explain to some of our listeners who may not frequent the website exactly what they do over there at last word on pro wrestling. But uh, before we get into all that, let's go ahead. Let's stick with the gimmick. Oh, Huckleberry, week 11 is upon us, and uh, we've got some games here to talk about uh, that that include some teams outside of my NFL 6. There there was only about, you know, five games worth talking about this week. Yeah, you know, on both sides, we're going to talk a little NFL, a little college. Seems to be a little bit, you know, on paper, a down week. Uh, But 
But really, when you dive into it, there's a lot that could transpire that can unfold and change the direction of the season right here. So let's start with your Thursday night game, which is going to start here in just a couple of hours as we sit here to record today. Green Bay goes to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Now, for, for those who don't know, there is a, quite a rivalry here going back quite a few years. The, the Seahawks, of course, kept my beloved Packers out of the Super Bowl not once, not twice, but at least three times that I can think of off the top of my head. I hate the Seattle Seahawks. I love me some Russell Wilson, though. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. Uh, Rick, I, I, I don't think that this game is necessarily going to be all that great. I expect Seattle is going to win this thing pretty easily going away. But I'm telling you right now, if the Green Bay Packers win this game, people are going to start talking about them like they're a playoff team, like maybe they can come back, they can win the NFC North, maybe they can actually be the contenders that everybody thought they were going to be, and they're just not. The Packers are not that good. Well, I think if you look at the positioning, though, where they're sitting out here, if they could pick up a big win here and it puts them back over that 500 mark, these, whenever we talk about these Thursday night games, because it's, it kind of puts us out there on that limb because as everyone starts listening to the show, either we were kind of right, we know what we're talking about, or what the hell, these guys have no clue what's going on here. So it's, you got to be kind of tricky when, you, when you're you know, leaving yourself out here with this. I honestly, I, I think Seattle holds on in this game at home, but I think we're not even going to see that, like, it's not going to be one of those like shoot them out. So I'm looking for a bunch of field goals in this thing. Not entirely sure what that weather is there, but you were talking about a little bit of that rivalry and denying, you know, the other in certain situations. Well, Green Bay has a real opportunity to stick it to Seattle here. If they go over in this game, then that officially eliminates the Seahawks from contention out there in the NFC West. This would give the division, give the division to the Rams. And that is that is incredible to clinch your division before Thanksgiving, before their bye week. Their bye week's not even until next week, for God's sake. Yeah, so I mean that's 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 what you're really looking at here. Like you were saying, though, you know, Green Bay's not far away, but yes, they are in that rebuilding. They are in that rebuilding phase. They had some flip over in personnel. They're going to have more coming in next year. Hey, they. They went out and put some some nice pieces in there. They had a great draft and all that, but it's just not there yet. They're probably got to believe a, a year or so away from getting back to serious contenders. I agree with Aaron Rodgers. During the preseason, somebody asked Aaron, how's the offense looking? And Aaron's response was, it's piss poor. Yeah, I agree with Aaron Rodgers. A couple years ago, he told everybody to relax, and I agreed with Aaron then, and everything worked out in the long run, and I agreed with Aaron this year, too. That team is piss poor. I think this is the end of Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. I was going to agree with you and say there, I think the real story with the Packers is, you know, exactly as you pointed out, you're seeing a much more outspoken Aaron Rodgers, which tends you to believe that it's kind of his way of saying, hey, we got we to gotta part ways somewhere. This is really my team. I need a new coach and new personnel here. The problem with Green Bay is getting people to come to Green Bay, Wisconsin. I understand, yeah, we've got all that history and all the lineage and all the championships going back to the 60s, and that's all fine, well, and dandy, but what have you done for me lately, and who in the hell wants to live in Green Bay, Wisconsin? You ever been to Green Bay, Wisconsin? Uh, I figure it's it's probably uh, a lot like Cleveland. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's, it's far worse than Cleveland. Green Bay, Wisconsin is a very, very small town. Like, outside of Lambeau Field, the most happening thing in Green Bay, Wisconsin is Walmart. Uh, but I was going to say that's 
that's not too far from Cleveland. Cleveland is uh, it's is not really uh, the hottest of real estate, should we say? Yeah, at least you got the Miz. Let's uh, talk about another team that's going to be very interested in that Green Bay and Seattle game, and that is going to be the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, this is this the Sunday night game? Yeah, the Sunday night game, Kansas City at Los Angeles. Rick, this thing was supposed to be in Mexico City. And they relocated the game to Los Angeles because Mexico is a heaping pile of shit. Uh, yeah, we're talking about pieces of shit, places you do not want to go to. Uh, obviously, Mexico, damn near at the top of that list. Did you see the actual the pictures of this field turf, the condition that this that the stadium was in? No, I have not. In fact, I actually thought this move was probably more politically motivated. Is the field really that torn up? Oh, go look at it. It it really looks like like an abandoned old house where you've just had most of the interior just deteriorate. It just it, it's just gone. It looks like there's just random spots where they've ripped it up, and there is like the concrete is showing underneath. It it is in terrible shape. Uh, I guess they were trying to get some sod in here. This is a major overhaul. The league, the investment that they have in these players. I had no way in hell that they were going to go through with this thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're playing on concrete, there's no way I'm sending Aaron Darnold down there and and Dominican Sue, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley. God damn, Los Angeles is loaded. I'm looking forward to this game. Uh, it, it still feels like this is going to be a neutral site game because this is going to be a home game for the Chargers who don't really have a home. So I'm not necessarily sure how much home field advantage is going to help them out there. But I'm really looking forward to this game, man. This very well could be your Super Bowl preview right here. Yeah, this is it's going to be eye, all eyes on this one this week. This definitely is uh, the standout of this week's you know, class, and then possibly, you know, the entire regular season here. This is the one that people are going to keep their eye on. It's going to be really interesting to see, you know, the game plan and the adjustments that, that the Rams make coming into this thing. They've been exposed a little bit here over the last couple of weeks. And when you're looking at that Kansas City team, man, you talk about some weapons. They can come at you every which way. You know, how are the Rams going to hold up to this thing where the Rams have, have also been high impact, high profile, but they've they run much simpler style offenses in their package and, and how they attack you here. Kansas City on the flip side of that, they're going to throw a lot of different shit at the Rams. And by a lot of different shit, we mean everything coming out of Patrick Mahomes' hand. Well, you know, just not that. I mean, the, the way that they, they'll come in tight on their packages, they can spread it there. You've got multiple running backs they're going to hit you with here. Well, on the flip side of that, you know, for the Kansas City defense, it is a little bit easier because the Rams tend to only run, you know, three to four different offensive packages. Yeah. Uh, you got a prediction on this one? I think I'm leaning Kansas City. I actually got a limb here. I actually, you know, as the good games that we've seen the Rams involved in here, you know, we've seen them right down to the wire there in, in New Orleans. They took that tough loss. They were able to bounce back and get that big win in division. Uh, against the Seahawks last week, I think we're going to get an entirely different looking Rams here. I think Kansas City is going to wipe the floor with them. Well, we were talking about how the Rams are going to be interested in watching that game to see how Seattle does on Thursday night. Minnesota and Chicago play the Monday night game, and of course they're going to be watching to see how Green Bay does. Of course, these are the two teams in front of Green Bay inside of the division. A big Monday night game in the black and blue north. Rick, I think Minnesota is going to go into Chicago and stun the Bears. You know, again, I'm a guy. I like 
I like big offense. I like fast-paced games. I like high-scoring affairs here. Again, I think for someone like me, I don't think this is going to be the the sexiest, most appealing game of the week here. I'm looking for a kind of slug it out. Like I like my wrestling, you know, just two old school guys going there to slug it out. Uh, that's what we're going to get out of this one. And I have to tend to agree with you here. The Vikings are kind of hitting that stride. I, I like them in, you know, a Suzuki Pitbull kind of style fight out of these guys. How are you feeling about Mitchell Trubisky? I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, it's so weird because I don't feel like Mitchell Trubisky is anything more than Andy Dalton. Which, you know, not that that's a dig on Andy Dalton, but, you know, we, Andy Dalton's record is what it is. And that's kind of how I feel like Trubisky is going to be. I don't think that Trubisky is necessarily that good, but I think that Nagy might be the coach of the year. Yeah, I think a lot of that Dalton thing comparison is pretty good because, you know, for me, coming from someone that has been, you know, following Andy Dalton since coming to the NFL, you know, that he plays with for my Cincinnati Bengals. It's one of those things maybe that I just kind of accepted. And it's and I'm always just hopeful that as long as you just have – if the quarterback can be capable enough not to lose the game for you, then you're in an okay position in the NFL as long as you surround them with the right you know tools on the rest of the offense. Okay, so Mitchell Trubisky is, is good enough to not necessarily lose you the game. I guess the real question is, do you believe in the Chicago offense enough to trust that they are going to win them any games when it comes January? You know, kind of looking through here, you know, they've they've got some. They definitely have those big wins. Uh, the defense ranks pretty well, correct? Oh yeah, I mean, Khalil Mack is absolutely freaking killing right. it. I don't I think know, there's any question. He's the defensive player of the year. I, I mean, I know, I know where he's at. I know how hot he is. But overall, looking at it here, yeah, they're right up there uh, in most of you know the important statistical categories here for your defense. So yeah, I think at that point, as long as you're you're an efficient you know, enough offense five where they're at right now, sitting at six and three with that defense. I think they that they could go win some games here. Again, there's still a lot of the regular season to get through, a lot of growing that needs to be done. And I think that to this to this point, they have surprised the hell out of a lot of, you know, just not the naysayers, but even their own their own backers there in Chicago are seem surprised that they're sitting here where they are, first place six and three, you know, in control of their own run towards this playoff. Let's talk about Andy Dalton and your Cincinnati Bengals. This weekend, they're going up to Baltimore to take on the uh, Baltimore Ravens, who at one time were my Super Bowl pick. And uh, that that time has come and went, along with Joe Flacco's hip. Um, I guess the big story here, is Flacco going to play? How much of Flacco are you going to get? And is this other kid, Jackson, is he going to? actually get in there because that completely changes the Baltimore Ravens, their personality, their dynamic. Everything about Baltimore is going to go off of their quarterback because they have two incredibly different styles of quarterback. Which and actually, you know, it's still up in the air. Who's going to be taking those snaps? Uh, you know, even if we do get Joe for the beginning of the game, I mean, how long can he last throughout this thing? Uh, I know all the reports out of here reading up on this thing. Jackson is very well prepared. Uh, when called upon, if it's at the start, they need to throughout the game. He is ready to go. The most dangerous situation here is that they're so different. Their skill sets, they're going to present two different teams, as you had mentioned there. To me, that gives that 
I have zero faith in the Cincinnati Bengals right now. That defensive unit, I know they just they dumped their defensive quarter coordinator this past week after the just absolute embarrassing loss at the hands of the New Orleans Saints. They dumped the coordinator. Marvin's going to be taking over that role himself. Uh, they, they brought in former Browns coach Hugh Jackson, who is very close to that franchise as a special assistant. Even with those changes, I, I just don't think that the Bengals have the on-field personnel to hang with either one of these styles of offense that the Ravens are going to be able to run out here. Grand scheme, though, this is a big game for both of these teams. This is a, a, a real make or break. Uh, the Bengals, as I said, coming off that embarrassing loss. Uh, a lot of people down in Cincinnati in a 5-1-3, they've already written them off. This season is over. Usually when they find themselves in a spot like this is when they turn back around and get that big win. I'm not so sure here. The Ravens themselves, they're sitting just south of 500. You know, for either one of these teams to really stay into this thing with the back half of this of this season on the line, this is a must-win game for both of them. Absolutely. I completely agree. That should be a very interesting game. Then uh, we have your Sunday night, or Sunday afternoon, I should say, game of the week on Fox. And Rick, this game intrigues me greatly, as it's going to be the defending Super Bowl champion and now incredibly inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get. Philadelphia Eagles going into the Superdome down in New Orleans to tangle with the Saints and Drew Brees and... Everything that those guys are doing, I keep hearing that Patrick Mahomes is going to be your NFL MVP, and I'm like, Drew Brees, just look at what Drew Brees is doing. I don't see how anybody other than Drew Brees could possibly be the MVP at this point, but evidently it's a real conversation. I think the Saints are going to blow out Philly. Yeah, I, I was going to go with you on that one, too. I, you know, as I said, you know, kind of about. You know, the, the Chiefs and the Rams game, how I feel Kansas City is going to dominate that one. You know, people are having all these high expectations for a classic. I don't think we're going to get it here. I think the Saints are going to handily take care of them. Uh, this is their their game to run away with here. And a lot of people, as, you, as you're talking back about Philly, you know, a lot of people are wondering, you know, what the hell is wrong up here? You know, why isn't this clicking? And it isn't so much on the field. They, they've had, had some issues there, some turnover. But a lot of this is um, your coaching personnel turnover. You know, they're just not – they haven't been able to find their groove. They got, you know, is it the new offensive coordinator especially. Yeah, uh, Philly's kind of a mess right now. Now, granted, Philadelphia, they did come into this season and they were nursing injuries. Philly hasn't been healthy all year, and that absolutely plays into this thing. But the other thing is too, and to kind of bring this back into a pro wrestling context here – you know, Philly won that championship and they started running their mouths and they thought that they were really something. And it was almost like coming into this season, they were putting in about half of the effort of what they really needed to do. And now all of a sudden they're getting their asses whipped. Kind of sounds like WWE creative, doesn't it? Yeah, I can see, I can see where you're coming from there. I kind of love, I'm just looking at their schedule here. They are a team, as you said, they, they, they seem to have gotten a a bit cocky, a little too big for their britches. That has caught up with them. You know, they thought that all the changes that had happened in their coaching staff, in the office, the injuries on the field, they thought they were going to be able to overcome that. They kind of thought that they had had jumped that hurdle and entered into maybe that, that upper echelon of those franchises that can do no wrong. You know, even when things aren't going their way, it, they find a way to persevere and break through. You know, teams like, you know, like New England, like Pittsburgh. You know, yep. Those sets of teams that find their way no matter what at the end of the year, you know they're going to be you know right there neck and neck towards that finish line. That wasn't necessarily the case, but that's still not to say you know, you're looking at this 
at this Philadelphia team, if they can find a way to get in there, find that group, they're still going to be very dangerous if they can get into that postseason. We have seen this happen in every sport across every medium. You get a little too cocky, and all of a sudden, you start getting your ass whipped because the product on the field just isn't that good. Look at the Warriors a couple of years ago. They set the record most wins ever in the regular season. Who won the championship? Hint. It wasn't the Golden State Warriors. Let's talk about uh, a little bit of NCAA, some college football. Ah, yes, the sweet sound of Brendan Urie. You know that means that the college football playoff rankings have been released, Huckleberry. And boy, this is a big week, ladies and gentlemen, as we have absolutely zero changes inside of the entire top 10. Not just the top four, but the entire top 10, exactly the same as it was last week. And looking at these games for this week, Rick, I don't see a whole lot changing this week either. Yeah, it's, it's going to say, you know, on paper, not really a whole lot. We've got one game that's going to step out for everybody here that everyone should have their eye on here. we got a very tough Syracuse team taking on one of our playoffs, our undefeated in Notre Dame. Uh, outside of the big boys, not really much to talk about there. You mean you don't like the Citadel against Alabama this week? Heard some very interesting arguments, though. Uh, against Alabama, uh, coming from one you know an individual that I know that that even in what we do here in our broadcasting game, you kind of model yourself after a little bit. I know you're a big fan of them, and that would be one Colin Coward. Uh, really, really went after Alabama this week. You know, pointing out about how they manipulate their schedule and how a lot of times it's it's more about the hype than the actual talent on the field. Not in you know he wasn't trying to take away from how great they are. But, you know, he was kind of going at statement, you know, why people hate on Alabama, why they're rooting against them because of how he manipulates the systems. And, you know, right here was one of them. That's we're, we're getting ready for the playoffs and they're playing Citadel. Is Citadel even a Division One school? And I'm not saying that to sound sarcastic. Is that uh, even a Division One school? I, I'll pull them up here right now. I, I don't believe so. Um, in the middle of November, and you're playing the Citadel. Well, it, it, you know, Calvary was brought up some interesting points, too, going back to early on with Saban, where he was one of those teams that like, okay, you know what, we will go on the road for a big game to see if we can get them, and he wasn't really going over in those, so he pulled back. So you go look at anything, they won't play anybody on the road unless you know it's in conference and they're forced to. They're not making those big travel games that we see the other majors, the other majors get. So now you look at this game on paper, and it's not a matter of, is Alabama going to win this game? Because Alabama's going to win this game. It's a matter of how many points is Alabama going to beat the Citadel by? What's I'm curious what Vegas has this at, if, if you can find that information too. Because it wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to guess that Bama by 30. Uh, probably because you know that's when you call off the dogs. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a line get pulled that they don't even place a line on this game. That very well could uh, be especially, as well. Especially with the last two weeks, the trends, if you've fallen anything from, you know, just especially in the NFL, but, you know, all of football, college football as well as they took it on the – they've taken it on the chin the last two weeks. I mean, we're talking millions upon millions of dollars that they were losing out on. And last week, you know, we I think you and I, we pointed it out on one of the shows – about how some of these lines were still out of whack because they were trying to get all their damn money back from that two weeks ago. Hey, it's, they could go ahead and, and, and pull this line here. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all, honestly. On, on the quick look, I am not finding 
where uh, what division they fall under. But I, I put that anything. It's not a division one. Sad. Um, this game. Uh, yeah. NCAA division one championship subdivision. <laughs> championship subdivision. So you're not really a D1 school, but you're almost a D1 school. They're on the waiting list. That's what's going on. Uh, I know this game will intrigue you. It intrigues me, Clemson and Duke. Um, I would like this game a whole lot more if this was at Duke, but I believe this game is at Clemson. And as much as I want to say go Devils right now, I got a feeling this is going to be a long afternoon. Uh, Always pulling for the Devils. But yeah, Clemson is out to make, they're on a mission week after week, statement games. Uh, This is going to be another one for them. Tigers roll. Notre Dame at number 12, Syracuse. That's how it's listed. This game actually going down in historic, well, not really, what used to be across the street from historic Yankee Stadium. Um, I I think Syracuse could stand a chance against the Irish in this game. This has got to be the game of the week when it comes to college football as far as the top 10 is concerned anyway. Well, this is going to be... You know, this is gearing us up for next week. There is a huge slate of big games. You talk about a super card next week. That's going to be a, a fun, a fun couple of days there. Starting, I think the the big games start kicking off on Friday through your Friday and Saturday. Going to be a great time then. But hey, this is a a little a little warm up, if you will. This this is going to be the test for Notre Dame. They can get over this. Pretty much count them in. They're going to be playoff bound. This is where they're going to stamp their ticket. You know foreseen if they really just overlook someone and, and have a major letdown watch but out for the trojans out in the coliseum i i think notre dame's gonna go out there and take care of business usc i've been looking at them they are just flat out bad oh they're a mess uh but yeah this this is it for for notre dame but syracuse themselves you know what they have two losses correct yes yeah sitting here at number 12 in in the playoff ranking uh eight and two could be, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna jump up into that conversation. But th- for them, this is a sort of a playoff of sorts. This is their their chance to play spoiler, uh, help them in their in their recruiting tools as they go forward. You know, hey, we were right, we're right there. We actually had a major influence on the playoff system. We're a few people away, a class or so away. It, it's this is a huge recruiting tool for them if they can get this thing done. Rounding out your top six, you've got Michigan taking on Indiana. Georgia and UMass, Oklahoma and Kansas. Rick, I think this just goes straight chalk. It's going to be Michigan's going to kill Indiana. Georgia's going to blow out UMass and Oklahoma's going to destroy Kansas. Yeah, all these in Kansas, you got to feel a little bad for Kansas because Oklahoma knows they barely got by last week. They escaped with a one point victory there and in that great rivalry game against Oklahoma State. They need, right now, you know, if they're going to wow that committee. They need to bounce back here with a big statement win. My game of the week this week, this is the game I'm most looking forward to, is going to be number 15 Texas hosting number 16 Iowa State. I don't know if you get to watch much of the Big 12 out there, but of course around here it's all Hawkeyes and Cyclones. I typically pull for whoever is playing against Iowa State, but I am not a Texas Longhorns guy whatsoever, so I'm going to go homer on this one and go, go Cyclones. I saw you had this on here. I went, uh, did you, was this a, a spelling error? You said game of the week. It's W Jargo's game of the week. I know. 
W-E-E-K or W-E-A-K? Oh, I see what you're doing there. You want you want a game to tune into this week? You want to see big-time football Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, the spotlight game. The Cincinnati Bearcats are going into Central Florida to once and for all shut down. Shut down those, uh, those nights. Get them shut their mouths, get them out of all of their own heads if they think they belong with the big dogs. Uh, the Bearcats with a, are going to make a big statement. Typically, for the sake of the show, I go against everything that Rick says, but in this instance, you bet you go Bearcats. Beat them, sons of bitches. Uh, Rick, one more uh, sports story here that I wanted to discuss with you because, you know, I like to pour a little bit of salt in the womb from time to time. Has L.A. Braun... And the Lakers figured this thing out. Suddenly, Huckleberry, the Lakers are rolling. We've won four straight. We're seven and three in the last ten. We're number three in the league in points per game. Jordan or er, LeBron drops 44 the other night. Passes Wilt Chamberlain on the list. Now number all number five all time in scoring. Next up, the goat himself, Michael Jordan, and then he's getting himself into elite company where you're talking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you're talking Kobe Bean, Bryant, and Magic Johnson. That's right. All Lakers atop the all-time scoring list. You know, I was I was looking at the list there and seeing how far he really has to go. He's still like 8,000 away. Oh, I know. From, from, from Kareem at the top there. The number of points that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scored in his career is just ludicrous. I, I tell you what's funny, though, is, is I was looking at the breakdown. Because they've got the total points. Uh, they've got it, like, inside the paint, your jumpers, your free throws, your three-pointers. Now, I know that, that Kareem, he didn't play. He only played a few years, really, where they had the three-pointer. But in his entire career, when you look at all of those points, only one time ever did he hit a three-pointer. <laughs> I'm surprised that he had one. Yeah, he, he's got that one there. Hey, but you know, some real stories heating up in the NBA. Obviously, the entire league, anything that's going on out in L.A. is always newsworthy, especially when you put the best player in the league, uh, arguably one of the greatest of all time, and LeBron out there. Hey, and everyone's kind of ele- – they're kind of – they're elevating now themselves. Uh, they're, they're rolling, you know – five, six deep that they can go to any night. They've got some great young stars. LeBron is, you know, he's he's kind of given up on trying to reinvent himself. He's just being LeBron. He's taking care of business. So you got to believe what the Lakers are going to be there at the end of the year. And the question is, once you get into, you know, those really a, a tight divisional race that run towards the playoff, into the playoffs, is that team too young to withstand these, these powerhouse teams in the West? But you kind of got to look some of these other powerhouses. Who knows what the hell is happening down there in Houston, who everyone believed this was going to be their year to finally to finally dethrone uh, the Golden State Warriors. And while I think there, it's not as serious as a lot of people want to make it out to be, there is some reason for concern with, uh, you know, in Golden State, with those guys turning on each other a little bit. We've had uh, Green and, and Durant with some words Monday. Uh, Green back from the suspension. It seems that, that they have kind of – they squashed it. Any kind of beef that they had between them, that they have taken care of for the time being. But how long till that resurfaces? Well, all I can say about that is, you know, I think uh, Kevin Durant would look really good in Forum Blue. Just saying, it's a contract here. Well, I think you know, 
Could you yeah, imagine I, I, Kevin Durant and LeBron James on the same fucking team? That's not well, even it's, fair. It's all about, you know, what kind of dynamic? Because you, you already got, you guys got that a great group of young players. You know, is it necessary to add someone, you know, like a Durant? Hey, I, one of the big rumors I'm seeing out there, if they can get him, if him and another big name can want to go make a power play somewhere together in a big market like that, which would actually think about this for, you know, from the league, you know, great for the Lakers fans because you're getting the hell away from the West. But for the league as a whole, if you could end up getting a power, a power couple or trio in New York to build back up, you know, potential L.A. New York championship series. I don't think anybody cares. I mean, the Lakers, when it comes to the Lakers, we want to play Boston. We want to we want to play Boston. We want to beat Boston. I don't care about the Knicks. Yeah, I think that's because you you understand that old dynamic. What could be there? I think you could have something very special if you could get to the point where you what you had between Golden State and Cleveland, and you you just kind of you plug in. Obviously, the Lakers Showtime. I mean, it's freaking Hollywood. Everyone's always about that thing. New York's been clamoring for something to get them back to greatness. There, uh, I know those fans. They would love it. You can move a ton of that Knicks merchandise. The ratings are huge. I think, I think right there would be a spot that would, that would better even a better Celtics team. How about this? How about this? I'll 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 give you a New York team. All right, but what if we do it in Brooklyn instead of uh, at the Garden? Because the problem with the Knicks is James Dolan. That owner is freaking awful. That's the, say, that's the know, problem it, there. Could it, you could you see it happening in Brooklyn? Uh, this goes back to a comparison we always make, though, in, in football. It's just like the Chargers. They're still not ever going to be the Rams as good as they are. And I'm sorry, Brooklyn is not does not have that sex appeal for the consumer as talking about Madison Square Garden and the actual Knickerbockers. <laughs> Salutations. This is Dalton Castle, and you're listening to Hitting the Marks. Oh, I get it. It's a pun. All right, Huckleberry, so let's talk some pro wrestling news. God, thank God for editing, right? Man, we're all over the place today. Um, Two major stories of the week, and uh, I, I had a hard time trying to figure out which one was going to be the lead here, Rick. Uh, because there's really only two stories worth talking about. And those two stories are Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar slash Daniel Bryan slash AJ Styles. Um, I'm not really sure which one is actually the bigger story. Well, I was going to say, you know, let's start with, uh, I think it'd be best. Let's, let's just go in order here of how they kind of uh, ignited the internet. Now, as you said, we're on a go home here to Survivor Series. We kind of we said, you know what? We're not going to break everything down here. We're going to save that for Sunday in our special uh, pre-show live call-in episode that we're going to be running there. Uh, but but obviously, these two big stories have you know drastically changed the face of this card, uh, possibly the direction of WWE creative going forward. I mean, this has everyone a buzz. Great conversation coming in from all different angles with different takes on this thing. I know initially when we had some of this go down, you and I were kind of sour on, I guess, maybe, you know, what was on the surface here uh, for both of these stories. I know, you know, taking Becky out, how hot she is right now, 
with any replacement is going to be a huge letdown here. Uh, they're trying to recover with the storyline. Either way, we can, we're going to jump into where they're going, why they're going there. Still a letdown. On the other side there, you and I were really looking forward to AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar, number two, uh, really having that full year to bring this thing back around uh, for these guys, you know, what we assumed would have been the next great encounter. Yeah, I'm, I'm really bummed out about the Styles versus Lesnar match. That one really, really kind of bums me out. Uh, let's let's go ahead. Let's start with the Becky Lynch thing. Um, obviously, Monday night on Raw, uh, Becky Lynch finally gets one up on Ronda Rousey. They actually let these two be in the same place at the same time. I kind of thought that was a mistake, but with the way things have worked out, it was actually very beneficial for the WWE because at least now we have that video footage of uh, Becky getting one up on Rousey for the inevitable encounter whenever it may come. Um, And then Becky goes out to the ring, big melee ensues, Nia Jax punches Becky Lynch in the face. We'll we'll talk about the Nia Jax aspect of this here in just a second. Uh, Long story short, Becky has a broken face, which uh, absolutely just irritated me to no end. Just tell me what the actual injury is. I highly doubt that on her medical report, it says that she has a broken face. We are, we're sports fans. We're sports entertainment fans. We know what an orbital bone is. We know what a nose is. Like, tell us exactly what the injury is. Give us some kind of a broken face. That was just stupid. I'm really, I'm surprised they went with broken face. You know how they feel about those buzzwords, right? Right. And, And right now. They want us to really get that that Stone Cold vibe from Becky. You know, we're seeing it in the new merch, uh, how she's carrying herself. That you know, even in, in the brawl, uh, not by design, but we got the image from you know the bloody face with a very Stone Cold esque. I'm surprised they they're not just running out there and she has a broken skull. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's a good buzzword. You're, you're, you're missing your buzzword. Your your not so obvious link there to Stone Cold. But let's go back to the very beginning here. You and I, we have been saying here for weeks that they almost need to keep these two apart. Yep. Not because, you know, hey, this segment, a lot of it, what involved Becky and a lot of Rhonda, it went off great. It, it was hot. It got people excited, got them fired up. But one thing it did do, which might have influenced their decision to pull Becky it exposed where the audience was going to align themselves in this match. That place erupted when you got the backstage image of Becky putting it to Rhonda. Got her in the armbar there. That place erupted. Then you, you take that thing out to the ring, and the place is going crazy for Becky. Welcome back. Welcome back to Monday nights. That was over-the-top pro-Becky and that was just going to be, you got to believe that was going to be magnified by 10 going into Survivor Series at the Sable Center. That that could have been a little bit of their decision. Hey, you know, we, we got this injury card we can play. Do we really want to throw Ronda under the bus right now in this situation? We have an out here if we need to use it. You know, I keep hearing this comparison to uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I don't see it. And I don't even think it's the right comparison. It finally clicked for me the other night on Monday Night Raw when Becky comes walking out. And uh, I realized she's not Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know who she is? She's Connor fucking McGregor. 
Look at that swag. That's who they're presenting Becky Lynch as. She is Conor McGregor. She's not Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's Conor well, McGregor. Well, listen, I mean, I think it's you know, this would be great marketing on their point on their part here. You, you do have I, I obviously see the comparisons with Stone Cold because and even in a wrestling sense, that is familiar. It's a it's a familiarity for that consumer. They're going to eat that stuff up. We're all we're already seeing that there. And as we said, it wasn't by design, but they have stumbled into some great things here. You know, that blood, such great imagery there. That is going to be long lasting. That is something that, you know, down the road with you're creating the legend of Becky Lynch, that's going to be a forever lasting image in the minds of the fans i was surprised they showed it on smackdown i'm surprised that they showed it in color i should say i I think that they they really realized how special that it was there and it is again it's something that if they do get some heat you know they can still play to well it's not that we planned it that way that was one of you know the the accidents that happens inside of our industry so it wasn't like they purposely went out there and got blood and they did it to so they could hammer it home, hammer it home, hammer it home. They're just using it in that sense. Having her pulled from this match, it, it also it gives you more of a, a stone cold feel. You know, when he broke his neck, he had everything taken from him. You've got this road to redemption. You've got that there. So now we, we do have the rumors, though, that with Becky out here, that they're looking towards maybe the money match at Mania is Becky versus Ronda. I have a hard time arguing that right now. And I but. And, and even that Char Char's involved, I'll argue all day long. You have to choose one if you're going to go that route at Manny. I hate triple threats at Manny, especially if it's going to be a real marquee matchup. I don't want to see it overbooked because you don't feel it's fair to pick one. This is where you got to draw a line and say, you pick one. And right now, if you could keep that momentum going with Becky, I think she is the option. I love what you said. I hadn't thought about this. But if Becky realizes, hey, you know, to get to Ronda's level, I, Becky knows that she's beaten Charlotte. But, you know, if Ronda really beat Charlotte and Ronda's still undefeated, she's taking everyone out. Maybe rub it in. You know, Becky brings in Conor McGregor as a corner and the trading guy. We have heard some uh, talk of Conor McGregor and uh, WWE Connection. It seems like that comes up every couple of years when it comes to WrestleMania season. This this would be the logical connection, right? This is what you kind of do is you sample the vignettes that you had Baszler running in preparation for her last match with was saying where she's actually inside that camp. Give me, give me uh, Connor and Becky in a cage sparring, getting ready for Rousey. I think that would be awesome. If, if hey, you want to take it another step, you got Connor there. You got that great name value. He's going to be out on that PR trail for you. Those two great personalities out there. People are going to be eating that up. Hey, bring in a Holly Holmes into like a couple of vignettes to help with. Hey, I know the trick how to beat her. Like she's bringing in the people that have done it and been there. You're get a, it's a great crossover, some some great, great PR. And it also, you know, there's somewhat of a working relationship because it all ties in everything you got going on the men's side with Brock. Yep, absolutely. 100% agreed. Um, let's talk a little bit about Shar Shar versus Rousey. Um, so they're giving away Charlotte and Rousey. That, that, that's very much how it feels. We're doing this on, what, a five-day build now with no TV in between to actually build this match. Um, I... I understand why they went with Charlotte, but Rick, I really feel like even in watching that segment from Tuesday night, they should have went with Oscar. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, Wednesday over the Hot Media uh, group platform, Strangler Steve, you know, put over, you know, why not Oscar here? You know, she's been down. She could have used something like this, and it, especially because it's sh- such short notice, and you're looking for that quick boost, that quick pop. 
it's not like in this situation you're going to pull in a bunch of casuals in a couple of days or you're just going to catch word that you know Rick Flair's daughter is taking on Ronda Rousey. What you would know, though, is excite and hook some people that are in the know. You know, this was a dream match for a lot of people going back to before WrestleMania. And Asuka but, is good enough. She could have gotten herself over even in a loss. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. And you're looking for someone that has to take a beating here. Now, trying to make sense of this thing, I don't like that they're going to give away what, in my mind, is still a marquee bout of Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. You're just giving this thing away. Charlotte is at a, a at a real low right now. And that, that I'm not talking about, like, professionally, you know, storyline-wise. She she's already doubting herself here. She just came off, you know, a blood feud where she was outright bettered. She just lost in every aspect of that feud. She is a wounded animal, and now you're going to you want to have her go represent here. I, I heard, you know, this argument a couple of times. Well, you know it's going to be a great match. I, I don't care about that stuff. I'm not one of those people that over-invests in the technical side of professional wrestling. I'm sure that Charlotte is going to carry – Ronda Rousey to a great match. I'm more worried about what's the vibe in that arena. I don't. I think this thing's going to be dead. I'm more worried about creative. What does it do for characters and storytelling going forward? I know they're probably setting up this this BS road to redemption for Charlotte, where she's at at that all time low. She can't really win. Can she win the big ones anymore? That's going to possibly lead her back to WrestleMania. I have no interest in that story. It's getting a lot of comparison to what we saw last year from John Cena. Well, guess what? They botched the living hell out of that story. That thing could have been a very emotional ride for John Cena, uh, for both you know his detractors, his fans. They actually made an absolute joke out of that. They completely missed the mark on it. And I don't have any faith that they're going to get it right this time with Charlotte. No, I, I completely agree with you, Huckleberry. I, I agree all the way around. I feel like they should have done Asuka in this position, save Charlotte Flair, because you only have a couple of money matches when it comes to Ronda Rousey inside of the company at this point. You have Becky Lynch, you have Charlotte Flair, and you have Shayna Baszler. Those are the only three matches. I, you could have done Asuka, and it would have elevated Asuka to make her a legitimate threat as long as the match was booked well. I mean, good God, if you're going to do Nikki Bella and Ronda Rousey and that match goes 14 minutes you could have sent Asuka out there for 15 minutes with Ronda Rousey and suddenly Asuka feels like she's a legit threat again to the the championship well and, and, you know here's another angle with that too yeah I, and I, I'll still defend the Nikki Bella decision because I'm not even that, ragging on that I'm just well, saying I, in, well, in I, comparison what I want to get to though is that worked for that scenario because evolution was about a PR move. It was just about drawing those eyes and telling everyone you know, how great Stephanie is here, how the evolution of women is now sweeping WWE. Because that was it was more about that than the actual wrestling. That worked for that time frame. You can only go to the well so many times there. Eventually, you're need, going to need to establish solid women's competitors if you're going to take this thing serious. And like you said, you got now we got Becky, you've got Charlotte. You got Baszler there. Those are your top three. Those are your alphas right now. Oscar could have very easily slid into, you know, that, that sub college football playoff category there, where if you need her to come up and give a challenge and a good program for one of them, yeah. And if she eventually gets back to that, that level where she is amongst that echelon, that's great. You, you could have done that here. Hey, let's be, let's be honest. It wasn't, it was going to be, it would be just as good of a match with Asuka. Asuka's style might actually match 
at Ronda at this point a little bit better because she could get in there and ground and pound a little more than Charlotte, uh, which is going to play into Ronda's wheelhouse. But this show is a throwaway show. It's it's a specialty occasion. They didn't put any. There's no build behind here. It's it's red versus blue, and can teams on on each other's side work together? There's self bickering. It's it's not really about the competition against who's against the ring from you, you know, across the ring from you right now. Yep. I agree completely. Speaking of red versus blue, did you watch any red versus blue yet? Damn, I forgot about it. Damn, man. I watched the entire first season the other night. I put, I went and I shared one episode in the Hameen media discussion group, just so people could see what in the hell I was talking about. And like an hour and a half later, I had watched 19 episodes of red versus blue. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about something else that happened on Tuesday night. And that was when Becky picked Charlotte. Um, I, I have a little bit of an issue here. Like you said, we're coming straight out of this blood feud. And I took that as a baby face turn for Becky Lynch, her and Charlotte embracing her understanding. Listen, if I can't do this, you're the one that can do this let's put everything else aside and it's, it's me and you ride or die SmackDown blue. You go beat the shit out of Ronda Rousey. Okay. I understand the whole story here, but I guess what really my biggest fear is if we're going to take that as a baby face turn for Becky Lynch, what are the odds that the WrestleMania match is actually horsewomen versus horsewomen? Is that build going to start here on Sunday? Because we've been saying for weeks now, we're not even going to do it. It's, it's pointless. There's absolutely no reason to do it. There's no logical way to get there. Well, now we have a logical way to get there. Well, yeah, I had gotten us there before, you know, where it was going to be, we, we have to stand by each other. We are stronger together, not about brands, but actually about, you know, friendship and what, not even about friendship, but professional wise, you know, we are wrestling. We are pro wrestling. We are better together. We got to take out, you know, these invaders here that could have gotten there. What I really don't like here, let, let's go back to, you know, so many people are throwing out there. Is this what Stone Cold would have done? No, absolutely. But he, he had come out and said, you know what, we've got to have somebody go take on The Undertaker. Unfortunately, I, I'm out. Rocky, you're the next best. You got well, my blessing. And here's what I didn't understand is why was this Becky Lynch's decision? I mean, if you were going to go with Charlotte Flair, couldn't you have just have easily have done this exact same angle, but have Paige make the decision? Well, I think with them going this direction, I think this is what they had in mind. Because you can see the first time she kind of gives Flair that look, the audience is still anti-Flair. They started coming around once Becky gave the blessing. You know, they, they warmed up to the idea but again, this is a complete miss for her character, and I'm, I'm sure if you if she would have had it her way because she's running, she's handling her own social media. I'm sure they're not micromanaging that right now. She's no, there's no up. way they're micromanaging Becky Lynch's social I, media. You know right what now. she should have done is you know come out and said you know they said they offered Paige offered me the opportunity since this is my spot to choose my replacement. She should have came out and said you know what none of you bitches are, can hold a candle to me. I don't think anyone should represent. Tell Rhonda to just she'll be on hold until I'm ready and then leave. And then you've got to find out a way where Paige comes out and has to find a replacement, you know, to fill in here. And even including Charlotte, and I know I'm going back to what they're doing here. She just lost to Becky. She's going to lose to Rhonda. They threw in this stupid ass stipulation where the winner of the mixed match challenge is going to get number 30 
in the win in each of the rumbles, she's going to lose that. So now she's got three big losses. She she missed out on being number thirty in the rumble. That's going to be this just pitiful roaded redemption story involving Charlotte Flair. See, and I. I get the story. I understand what they're trying to do, but I'm afraid it's going to come off Roman Reigns. And I'm afraid that if Charlotte wins the Rumble, you're going to get that Roman Reigns reaction where Charlotte's going to be booed out of the building. Um, I, I think, I, I hate to say it, man, but I'm not even sure that that's the story that we do with Charlotte now because we don't know how long this injury is going to take for Becky Lynch. If we have to strip Becky Lynch of the women's championship, doesn't that change everything for Charlotte? Because if we have to strip Becky Lynch of the women's championship, I think Becky Lynch wins the Rumble. Well, I, I think actually, even if I keep a kayfabe, I'd strip her of that championship. Yeah, I mean, because if if Becky Lynch has to win the Rumble and that's how she gets her shot at Rousey, Okay, I am absolutely all on board for that situation. But if Becky Lynch is going to have to lose that title, that means Charlotte has to win that title back, right? Well, I see what I would do there. I think the easy way out, you can let's play to this injury again. You've got that you've got that H that you can keep relying on. I take the title off of her. I have her come in. Becky doesn't I, need the title right now. I have her hey, I think I think it does it, it makes her hotter. Work. It does more for her to lose it. They have it taken away from her. Yeah. You know, she has scratched and clawed. She has, it's been her personal fight to overcome this. When they were holding her down, she had to do it her way. She had, she went through everybody. She went through Charlotte. She had her opportunity robbed from her. She's going to do it again. She's going to enter that rumble. I keep going back. How would you, how would you do this with Stone Cold? Because you do have that fire. He would, he'd would he go to that rumble and kick everyone's ass. And just for a little bit of retribution, the last, we'll go ahead and talk about it, that elephant in the room, Becky would go in and toss her elephant ass right out over that top rope. Yep. Yep. Uh, before we talk about Nia Jax, uh, I, l- let's talk about the two other horsewomen here. Uh, Sasha and Bailey. They're, they're not even on Survivor Series, to the best of my knowledge. They, they lost that opportunity when their match went to a no contest on Monday Night Raw. So we got Sasha versus Bailey in a complete throwaway match on Monday Night Raw, which at first really, really pissed me off. And then as I thought about it a little bit more, I thought, okay, well, maybe this is how we're finally going to get the Sasha versus Bailey feud. Like Sasha realizes that she really enjoys beating up Bailey, goes full on heel and joins Alexa Bliss, blah, blah, blah. You could absolutely easily go that direction at this point. But now I'm really thinking we're going to go horsewomen versus horsewomen, which tells me we have to rebuild Sasha and Bailey somehow. How do we rehab Sasha and Bailey at this point? I'd say I, I, I thought about what I would do with them, and it, it played into if you strip Becky of that championship. I'm still not going to rule out. I, I think I think the money is sooner than later with that horsewomen thing. I think the longer you wait, you're going to miss out on a real opportunity. But how how ready is that to happen there? Because you've got to build back up your own version of the horsewomen. And from all indication, the other two uh, MMA ladies, they're not there yet. Uh, especially to go out there for uh, you know a marquee, let alone close, you know WrestleMania. They're not just there yet. I know you can hide that in a big gang warfare match, but it, it seems like too much of a stretch. 
if you got to strip Becky that championship, I don't think that Charlotte's ready to go back into that program. Uh, you got to find something else for her right now. And I think it's a, a, it would be a great time to use that SmackDown Women's Championship to build something else up. I would jump, I would jump Sasha to SmackDown. I would have when they make that strip, Paige comes out and says that she is inviting the entire WWE universe to participate in a tournament to to crown a new champion. You know, to who's going to claim the vacated women's championship on SmackDown? Invite everyone. Bring Tony Storm in for a matchup like that. Really get get that pop on there. You know, bring Nikki Cross back for one. It's going to excite people. I bring Sasha over. I think. Well, I think about giving Sasha that title. See what she can do with it. And I would love to see. If you, if you need a little filler feud for the next couple months, I'd love to see her and Oscar feud over that thing. Ooh, I do like that. I'm not a big Sasha fan. I think that there's still a lot of potential there. I, I Marketing-wise, people still love her. Hey, we, we've learned this from Becky. When you get down on somebody like that, let's give them the ball. Let's give them a situation like that to see if they can turn around because we have seen Sasha catch magic before. What do you think is the Mania match? If we're sitting here today, we're sitting in creative. And you've got Rick, give me right now. We got to pencil this in. I think with everything we kind of laid out here, especially if you can go get, you know, some involvement with the MMA, especially Conor McGregor, I, I think that it, it jumps Shar Shar. I, I think it's Becky and Ronda. I think that's the best match for WrestleMania, and I think that could potentially be a WrestleMania main event if they handle it the right way. That could be the WrestleMania main event because I think Becky Lynch is the hottest superstar inside of the company right now. I am afraid that the WrestleMania main event is going to be horsewomen versus horsewomen. And if that is going to be the case, then what I do, I keep Becky Lynch off of TV until the Royal Rumble. I strip her of the championship and I keep her off of TV until the Royal Rumble. And you know what I do? I send her immediately to the performance center and I start laying out this match with uh, Shafir and Duke. And uh, you know how we talk about in NXT a lot of times how the match seems incredibly rehearsed and, oh, yeah, it's real easy to pull that off when you've got weeks to practice it. I would start them working on that WrestleMania match right now and give them five months to just worry about that one match and make sure that it's good. What I think, too, you know, let's go back when we talk about some of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. You know, right up there at the list, it stood the test of time going all the way back to WrestleMania 3. Um, Macho Man Steamboat, you know, speaking of Macho Man, as we're recording here, it would be his uh, 66th birthday. So a, a happy birthday to one of the all-time greats there, the deceased Macho Man. But, hey, they plan out that match for months in Savage's yep. backyard. Yep. And, and it has stood the test of time. And, and someone like Ronda, who's still, we got to remember, she's in her rookie year here. So to have everyone kind of chipping in to help out with that thing, to make sure that you got it down to a T, especially with the platform they're going to be on, the bright lights of that state. I mean, this is what everyone's going to be looking at. This could be throw out evolution to pay-per-view, throw out all these firsts that they've done. This will become a defining moment for what you mean by representing and respecting women's wrestling in WWE. Think it could be good, uh, so let's uh, let's flip it over. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Nia Jax and what the future holds here for Nia Jax. Obviously, Nia Jax would have been the other logical opponent for Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series, whether it be by hook or by crook. She is the number one contender to the Raw Women's Championship. So my immediate thought was just go ahead and do that match. If, if you're going to have to pull Becky, because I didn't want to do Charlotte. 
my immediate thought was just go ahead and do Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey. Uh, but now we're hearing that there is some heat on Nia Jax backstage for this entire ordeal with Becky, which seems very well deserved. I don't care if Becky Lynch did potato Nia Jax in the back. She hits you in the back. If she hits you in the back a little too hard, that's not enough reason to literally break somebody's face. Um, but this is a, a, a trend that we have going on with Nia Jax now. I, th- I heard somebody on one show, I forget which one it was, that said this is like the seventh time Nia Jax has injured someone. Well, you know, let's just look at like, you know, the notable ones. Bailey, uh, you know, Vega, you know, Becky, uh, Bliss. Yeah, on yeah, down the line, like the the upper echelon of the women's division being single handedly taken out by Nia Jax and on a shoot level. This just goes into every major program that she is involved in. You know, someone's getting injured, and we've seen other you know almost near ones. I, I can recall just a handful of times where she dropped even Charlotte on her head because she couldn't handle it. And this is a growing problem here. I mean, when is enough going to be enough? I just, she's got. The family. She's got the rock in her pocket. You know, that that's her card that's gonna keep her around here. That's first of all, even got her employed. But when is enough gonna be enough here? She has not improved since day one. The only reason she was moved there is because she is that she is that big spectacle. But I got news for you. There's a lot of other big workers out there that could come in that would embrace that role, that the crowd would embrace, that are actually that belong there. This this charity card with her. Hell, I've said for a long time. You drop me off at any curves in this country, give me four or five hours, and I'll show up with a dozen Nia Jackson's for you. Well, to me, if and I take this the way that it's meant, ladies and gentlemen. All right, if you're looking for that larger body type, because we're trying to fill a demographic, because at this point, that's pretty much what it feels like with Nia Jax. Bring in Piper Niven, bring in Viper. She's she's ten times the worker that Nia Jax is, and I'm not a Piper Niven guy. I was going to say, it, we'll be honest here. And I know it's not the PC thing. People think we're, it's body shaming. We're attacking her for this. No, it's not anything about her body. Cause there's a lot of, you know, plus size workers are out there that can handle themselves. that can fit this role. This attack on Naya is that she is a terrible worker. Yeah. Jordan Grace, bring her in. You know, someone that's been there, an opinion that we greatly respected that we learned from when it comes to, you know, we never pretend that we know every, every little nuance about, you know, psychology going on inside the ring. That's why that we work on a platform with greats that have been in there. And one of the absolute best stranglers, Steve King, you know, he threw it out there. He's like, when you watch her, it's very obvious. She just doesn't get it. Yep. She is not made for this business. So when is enough going to be enough? You got to get her out of here. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, the, the other thing that nobody is talking about, and I was very disappointed that the Wednesday locker room didn't pick up on this. Uh, Tamina Snuka. All right. Number one, all we do is call her Tamina. We nobody wants to address Jimmy Superfly Snuka at this point. To the point where, uh, even when she came off the top rope, they wouldn't call it the Superfly Splash. It was just a splash off of the top rope. But you know the thing that really got me on Monday Night Raw watching that segment when they started talking about Tamina Snuka's killer instinct. Go back to go back to the live discussion thread. That was right where I went. I said. I popped. I was like, wow. I could not believe they said that. I wonder if someone in the back immediately was like, ugh. <laughs> I could not believe that they referred like, to her like killer start, instinct. Like, like they start looking at each other like, who wrote that? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Just could not believe it. But Tamina's another one. 
Like, you know, four years ago, five years ago, the first time I saw Tamina Snuka, I was like, oh, damn. Oh, damn. There's a lot of potential here. And she just never got it. It just never clicked for her. I wonder if a case with her, you know, maybe it was something she just, because it's an easy profession to fall into, especially if you have that, you know, that lineage. You're going to get an opportunity for your name. Is it so much with her? I wonder if the injuries have really slowed her down, or if maybe she just doesn't have the athletic ability. I don't know. I always liked Tamina. Like back in the day, like I just saw a ton of potential. She's kind of like Yoshihashi. I was watching a Yoshihashi match the other day, and I was like, man, I really see why they were so up on Yoshihashi. The only problem is he hasn't improved at all in seven years. He's still the same kid that he was seven years ago. I think they've, they've done a much better job of masking her flaws, you know, where she is more, she has been, you know, used more in that body guard or kind of that muscle in the corner. So that they've been able to hide it there where Naya, they're trying to get her in there mixing it up with these, with these girls are, you know, more about, you know, the high flying, um, the acrobatics of professional wrestling where Naya just can't compete, can't go with them there. Uh, her her cardio is terrible. Her in-work is terrible. There is no redeeming qualities about her at this point. I was just baffled that they put Tamina over Ember Moon. Just baffled. Like, that felt like a burial to me. Because Tamina has been so defined down. And then she goes and she gets that win over Ember Moon. Just, that, that was awful. Uh, the other thing with Nia Jax, it seems as though Becky Lynch wants to whip her ass. Uh, Becky Lynch took to Twitter. Nia Jax took to Twitter. Nia Jax saying, you know, how come nobody is asking me how my hand is? Well, you know what? Number one, because nobody fucking cares about you. Number two, uh, Becky Lynch basically comes back and says, I haven't forgotten about you, bitch. And that's literally what she said. I haven't forgotten about you, comma, bitch. Which plays right into your stone cold Becky, the Conor McGregor, notorious Becky Lynch, whatever you want to call her. Um, I absolutely love what Becky's doing with her social media, but I have zero desire to see Becky Lynch versus Nia Jax. None, no, none whatsoever. No, th- th- that payoff should come in the rumble where it's just brief. I don't want to see a program. No, I don't want to see interaction between these two. Have it come in a rumble. If it's down to those two and Becky tosses her ass, that's enough for me. Move on. Never revisit it. Yeah, I have no desire to see that as a program. And, and actually, shortly after that, right when she walks through Gorilla, hand her her walking papers. Yep, we wish you the best zero, in your future endeavors. I have endeavors. zero need for Nia Jax to ever be seen outside of Becky getting a little bit of that retribution and that great that great visual, that rub of throwing her ass over that top rope. And don't even struggle with it. I want her just to throw her over. The yep, like, like nothing, like a sack of potatoes. Just toss her. <laughs> see, don't like even, a sack of potatoes. You see what I did there? <laughs> don't even do it at the end of the Rumble. I'm taking all that back. Don't even do it at the end of the Rumble. I want Nia in the Rumble to have her doing her big giant thing, standing there with other people's, you know, down on the apron or down on the mat and hit Becky's music hit. She walks right on down. Hell, give her the give her the two-finger salute right there. Grab her and throw her right out. And that is the last we've ever seen of Nia Jax. Clothesline, duck under, boom. Bitch goes out. Bam, bitch goes down. Go, go overboard. Hit her ass with a stunner. <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, let's talk about the other big story of the week, and that being Daniel Bryan and, and the apparent Daniel Bryan heel turn. Daniel Bryan capturing the WWE Championship from AJ Styles. Um, 
I was really looking forward to uh, Styles versus Lesnar too. Uh, Rick, there's a million different ways that we can approach this thing, that we can look at this thing. The reality is we're not going to know anything until Sunday. Uh, we're, we're hearing that this was Daniel Bryan's pitch, that he's been pitching a heel turn for quite a while now, which and, and I like heel Daniel Bryan. I like the American Dragon Bryan Danielson. Bryan has gotten so over as a babyface that I think people forgot what a great heel that he was and what he can be in this instance. You know, I was saying a couple of weeks ago, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles are basically the same character. Well, obviously not anymore. Uh, but I have zero faith that Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar is going to be a better match than AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar was going to be. In fact, I think now you end up with some kind of a stupid finish or Brian's going to Suplex City and he's going to take like 30 Germans and that's going to be about it. Uh, I don't even know how you want to approach this thing. Well, so, you know, jumping into this, let's, let's take it for what it's worth. You know, at face value, I think for the most part, the swerve worked. I think some people were excited to see a title change again, you know, on SmackDown. Uh, you know, we saw one a year ago at this time, but it was on the tape delay. It, it did surprise some people. It's got people talking uh, about Survivor Series in this potential match. But are we talking about the right things? Is there really excitement around the match? Or is it, you know, more so because, you know, one of the first things that jumped out to me that people are running with it involves Dave Meltzer. You know, everybody wants to go blast Meltzer right now because it was at last week, you know, he came out and said, or it was within the last couple of weeks, that WWE does not have any plans for Daniel Bryan going forward. And everybody wants to call him out and, you know, say that he didn't know what he was talking about. He was talking out his ass. I don't see that as the case at all. Uh, obviously, as you put out there, this has been reported that uh, reported by Meltzer himself that Daniel Bryan has been pitching this since his return, that he felt he needed something different. Uh, Vince mainly himself was very hesitant, which makes sense because how many of us have always said, man, how, how the hell are you going to get people to do to boo Daniel Bryan right now? But in reality, as you, as you mentioned, Jargo, he is a great heel. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's, he, and he, he's not someone that needs that size. He, he can turn it on where he's just that little twerp that you love to hate. And that's, that's what he brings to the table there. So whatever reason it looks like this week, it's not really. It's not really been put out there. If it, you know, it was triggered by Becky. If they felt that they lost a huge match there, they needed a shakeup, or if it was even before that that Vince wasn't sold on Styles and Lesnar at Survivor Series. Now at Survivor Series, I want to that could jump out too. They know this is a throwaway show. Is was this the right time? So hey, people love Daniel Bryan. Let's if we're gonna. I'll bite on this turn for him. I don't really have anything for baby Daniel Bryan going forward, which lends some tendency to what Meltzer said. So you know what? Hey, we'll go with your plan. And why the hell not? We're going to we're gonna make it even more impactful by putting the belt on you. But who's to say that, that this isn't to go out there? They just need someone to go out there and get fucking murdered by Brock Lesnar. Yeah, that's kind of my fear. I want, like, I'm honestly starting to wonder now, maybe this was done to protect AJ Styles, that we yes. didn't want AJ taking this, like... I could very easily see a scenario where Brock Lesnar walked into Vince's office and said, Vince, listen, the training camp is not going well. 
I don't have time to focus on doing a professional wrestling match. This is not going to be a 15-minute four-star classic like you had last year at Survivor Series. I'm going out there. I'm taking this motherfucker to Suplex City. I'm doing six minutes, and I'm going back to training because I'm going to fight Daniel Cormier, and that's a real payday. Well, if, and if you're looking at it, think about you know, the logic behind booking, uh, Vince. I just went out and whooped Braun Strowman in four minutes. I'm not going out there and putting over, you know, giving the shine to this guy for 15 minutes. I got all my other stuff going on. I'm just not going to do it. Let's change gears. We don't want to, we got to save, we got to save AJ. He is the guy we are going forward with here. Who can we plug in? Oh man, everyone's going to eat up Daniel Bryan. We don't really have, if, if he looks bad here, we don't have anything for him next year. Yep. Let's go, let's go do it right now. Yep. And the thing that really makes me wonder about it, uh, on paper right now, there's a lot of people that are looking at this as a heel versus heel matchup. And I'm just not sure that that's the case because when I look at what happened on Monday night raw, and this is why I say we're so intrigued to know exactly when this call was made, if this was a result of the Becky Lynch thing, because they bring out gender Mahal and Brock Lesnar proceeds to beat up Jinder Mahal. Now, Rick, I, I, this seems like a very obvious question, but wasn't that a babyface turn for Brock Lesnar? I mean, is there anything more babyface than beating up Jinder Mahal? Uh, when you when you had mentioned this to me, I, it didn't jump out to me at the time, but when you said it, it started making a lot of sense. Do you, do you trust that they had the foresight for something like this? Or was it more of who can we run out there that is an annoyance? I mean, what what baby were they going to run out there? But, well, but here's but the why, thing. But why even run anyone out there? Well, yeah, why are we trying to get Brock Lesnar cheered? I mean, because obviously Brock Lesnar beating up Jinder Mahal, that's done for a pop. That's done to get people to cheer Brock Lesnar. And then Tuesday, we have Daniel Bryan turn heel on AJ Styles. So are you telling me that going into Survivor Series that they honestly might think that people are going to cheer Brock Lesnar over Daniel Bryan? I think you're going to have a good split because there's a lot of people out there like me that, hey, I'm going to be cheering Brock Lesnar and I'm going to be cheering when he starts tossing Daniel Bryan around like a rag doll. I would have been doing that in any case. If Brian was coming in as as the the heavy baby, I would have been doing that. Right, but I mean, we're, we're that smart mark audience, and, and I realize that's what's going to be at Staples Center on Sunday. I no, I think even from the casuals, because there's more people that are relate that relate more to Brock Lesnar that like their wrestling that way. They're going to just love to see Brock go in there and just devastate people. I think there's a huge portion of the audience, not smarts, but casuals, other outsiders in. For your crossover PR, we always talk about those visuals are what stand out. You know, what would be hilarious because I really, what, what you get down to it, when you get down to it at brass tacks here, this is a heel versus heel matchup. Everybody knows Brock Lesnar doesn't want to be there and it's very hard to cheer that guy. So what I'm hoping is being a smart mark audience, I'm hoping that instead of counting along with Paul Heyman after every German suplex, I hope we get a yes. Every time Brock Lesnar German suplexes Daniel Bryan, I want to hear yes out of the Staples Center crowd. I think that would be absolutely 
hilarious. Well, hey, I, I, I love that idea. I, I hope that we get that. But you mentioned Paul Heyman. I know you and I talked about this off air. Let's throw it out there. Well, hey, there's that rumor, and it's not that stupid shakeup where they just arbitrarily move people from Brandon Rand without any reason. They're talking about a creative shakeup. What if we get the Paul Heyman turn? You know, there was something about the way Paul Heyman phrased his promo on SmackDown and the way that he was putting over Daniel Bryan. Rick, it reminded me of. Yeah, it reminded me of Paul Heyman with CM Punk. That's very much what it reminded me of. And people think that this sounds absolutely ridiculous. Daniel Bryan doesn't need a mouthpiece. Neither did CM Punk. But Daniel Bryan doesn't need a manager at ringside helping him cheat. Neither did CM Punk. Like, that, I could very easily see a Paul Heyman American Dragon pairing that is going to be the best in the world CM Punk. But I think also, you know, on the flip side, it really does something. We're talking about, you know, shake up, reshuffle the deck. People that need kind of a new direction. It does something for Brock Lesnar when he comes back because he doesn't have that voice of logic that, that stops him from just doing what he wants without caring about what the repercussions are. I you don't, like it. You don't have you don't have Heyman wrapped around his leg trying to stop him, you know, from doing whatever just the the wake of mass destruction that he could leave. Uh, to me, I think it's a win all around. I like the story and I like everything that they're doing. I like Brian as a heel. I like the matchup. It's this is the same problem that we have complained about for literally years at this point. It's six weeks of creative and all of about six minutes. When we were, uh, you know, assuming or we were hoping that this was going to be AJ Brock too. Uh, talk about protecting AJ. Is there a bigger stage? Brock needs somebody at WrestleMania. Would AJ fit that bill for you? I mean, you talk about making the making of a star, someone that beats Brock Lesnar. I mean, does it add to it on the biggest stage of them all? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I almost wonder if the WrestleMania match is AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. Kind of bring that all back. Hey, I would love that program. You know, you, you, you have Paul and Brian versus AJ. Yeah. As the dominant champion, you know, maybe AJ wins the rumble. I could see that. I, AJ's done basically everything else in the WWE. I could see AJ Styles winning the rumble. You get something like that. I'd love to see almost like an Iron Man stipulation put on that thing. What if we do this? What if, okay, so we strip Becky Lynch of the championship. All right. Charlotte Flair wins the SmackDown Women's Championship. But AJ Styles and Charlotte Flair win the Mixed Match Challenge, which would entitle them both to being number 30. So AJ Styles enters at number 30 and wins the Rumble. And obviously Charlotte's already the women's champion, so she has no need. She repays Becky Lynch and gives Becky Lynch number 30 in the Rumble. Becky Lynch wins the Rumble. Eh, maybe that's too much. Maybe it's too much. That seems overbooked as I say it out loud. We'll just mark for edit. Um, <clears throat> so going forward, what does this mean for AJ? I mean, obviously he was champion for 371 days. 
Um, but it was a very lackluster championship reign, at least in my mind's eye. I, it was the, the WWE mid-card championship of the world. Um, where does AJ Styles go from here? Maybe AJ Styles just interferes on Sunday and beats the shit out of both of these guys. To me, I don't want to see an out like that. It's looking at this card. There's so many outs for WWE built into this thing with this bickering on each side. I hope they, they don't really put it out well. I hope they don't put it out well, to, you know, too, you know, too often. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about this with you know with all with the Hamid Army on Sunday during the live calling show and all that. So I don't want to die too much. Of it. I, I, give me something clean here. You know, either Paul turns to give me that great swerve, or just have Brock just be annihilated. It's so hard to to really speculate. You just said if we started talking about this so much is going to be defined this Sunday or even next week because everything to me says I'm not I'm, I'm expecting Dan, or, um, AJ Styles to win this thing back by TLC you know may, maybe this is what we do alright so Brock Lesnar beats the ever loving piss out of Daniel Bryan takes him to suplex city hits him with like 30 German suplexes hits him with like such an uncomfortable number of German suplexes that Paul Heyman is literally begging Brock Lesnar to stop until finally he takes the title, fucking hits Brock in the head with it. Brian gets a cheap pinfall win over Brock Lesnar. Heyman and Brian leave together. You think about, I mean, because the smarts, the people that are in the know, they're going to be cringing watching each and every one of those suplexes, knowing what Daniel Bryan has gone through. Yep. Make it uncomfortable. Where, where Paul didn't have a choice. He had to turn on Brock Lesnar. I still think that you put Paul in there, as you said, where Daniel Bryan doesn't necessarily need those. It's the perfect compliment to every little terrible thing that Daniel Bryan can be. Even, you know, tossing Bree, all the heat that's going to bring because the people that just want to hate the Bellas, it, you've got something there. I hope that is the direction they're going there. It, it's ultimately that that just takes AJ to another level as that baby on the chase. Uh, to me, that could, as you mentioned, man, bring that thing full circle at WrestleMania could be a great program. So let's take a look at a couple of other things that happened this past week on Monday night raw that do hold a little bit of interest going into Sunday. Number one, Braun Strowman, Braun Strowman making demands on Monday night raw. He, he he's grabbing Stephanie right by the lady balls and telling Stephanie how things are going to be and how he doesn't care about your stupid little petulant feud with your brother and all this other bullshit. Um, At so, least somebody said it. Yeah. Thank God. Right. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, so it, it sounds like I, the, the one give gimme that I think we have been handed on a silver platter is Team Raw is winning the big Survivor Series tag match. It's going to be Braun Strowman facing Baron Corbin at TLC. That match has already been advertised locally in the TLC market. Uh, so we, we knew that match was going to happen before Monday Night Raw. Uh, so now I guess the biggest question is, since we know that's going to happen, do we just assume that it's going to be Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble? I don't think we assume anything there because Rock wouldn't have a match on his on his on his deal. He has two matches. He has the yeah, match yes. on Sunday, and then when he loses, well, we're assuming that Brock Lesnar is going to do WrestleMania. We don't know when this Cormier fight is. If this Cormier if, if, fight is on the first of May, there's no way Brock Lesnar's doing WrestleMania. 
It all depends on what kind of booking they got for him there, what the match is. I mean, there's so many variables that go into play here. We don't know what the exacts on the deal are. All we can do is really sit back and assume right now. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be surprised at all if after this week we don't really see or hear anything from the Universal Champion. Does Strowman versus Lesnar, does that feel like a WrestleMania match to you? I think, you, yeah, I think you've got – it's great imagery. I think it's great marketing because you're bringing in a, a much more diverse audience for WrestleMania. But for me personally, no, because I've, I feel like I've seen too much of it already. Okay, the other thing that is being There's, discussed... I'm not, really, I'm not really invested in Braun's chase at this point. I'm with you. The other thing being discussed, of course, is we are hearing rumors flying that it's going to be The Rock and, and uh, Brock. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. At WrestleMania, that match doesn't do it for me either. Two part-timers going at it for the uh, Fruit Roll-Up Championship of the Universe. I don't care about that either. Well, I... I and that's coming from you as, you know, every week programming, we're sitting here talking about it. I see where the appeal is for WWE for that WrestleMania marquee. But that, that goes down to one of those things, you know, I mean, we're so much on WrestleMania. It's not every match is going to be for everyone. That isn't going to be for us. I get the spectacle of it. I'm not really even interest, interested in the build. Even the verbal jousting, you know, Payton is still with. Well, he would have to be at that point. If you're going forward with that, you have to have Heyman around. Oh, you have to have Heyman to go one-on-one with the great one on the microphone. But even that, you know, there's nothing that excites me about the potential of a rock concert or, you know, the the random selfie call-in videos that we're going to get from, you know, where he's at on set. I am with you, though. I I think this is such a reach. We keep hearing every year. Yeah, for them, they've got tons of things penciled in for the rock. I mean, who else would you rather have there? But like, what'd you say there, Dave? He's got 20 projects already in production. Some of them are major blockbusters. Yeah, the insurance would be just outrageous. It it would be insane. It would be, you might be talking about a billion dollar insurance policy. But then again, hey, Prince, I need a billion dollars to cover this to make sure his ass is, uh, is in Saudi in the middle of April for a show for you. Yeah, there is that. There is that. Uh, the only other thing that really happened inside of the WWE this week that's worth talking about is your boy, Dean Ambrose. Yeah, Dean Ambrose tells everybody that he owes nobody an explanation, and then he proceeds to talk for at least five minutes and give everybody an explanation. Uh, I thought that was awful. Uh, I, I, I know there's a lot of people that are putting over this Ambrose and Rollins segment, and I just hated it. Who is putting this over? Well, oh. give me a. I want. I want names. <laughs> I have. I have heard many people putting this over. Who in the hell is putting this over? This was one of the worst put together pieces that I've seen from WWE all year. And you know what kind of statement that is to make? That's, this was that's pretty bold statement. That was absolutely terrible. The whole the imagery behind it. I, I know whatever car he was driving, it's the new hot ride in Norwood, Ohio. But come on, and it, that burning trash can there next to him. I, I mean, what was the only thing missing was Grease Lightning Danny Zuko. I mean, what was this? Like, I'll wait for the Warriors to come out and play. This was some crappy 80s side flick imagery here. Not that the Warriors was a bad move. I actually love that. But you get what I'm getting, like how you know they would shoot the things. I, the, only, the only thing I took away from this is – is make you know when they do actually make up in the future when we get the shield reunion part 
9,000 is it's going to happen with Dean outside of Seth's house holding that jukebox <laughs> in the pouring rain. I mean, that's, the only, that's the only thing that is going to be able to make sense of, of this entire segment that had going on here. I've just been looking forward to Survivor Series. You know, it is, it's in the past that they did it. It's over with. We're talking about easy outs for some of these matches. Dean should not do not cost Seth this match. Yeah, I mean That's, this this is the easiest of all the easiest, right? Ambrose interferes, Nakamura hits the Kinshasa on Rollins, and that's it. Don't because to me that does that's not the character that Dean Ambrose should be. The lunatic, the lunatic should hey let Rollins succeed every bit he can, but when he does fail, it will be me. The only person he should care about beating him is him. It's not about embarrassing him or having him lose matches. It's about physically fucking beating him himself. Yep. That's what a crazy nut job does. I completely agree. Uh, the One of the other things I did want to put over, number one, I did enjoy Seth Rollins. Uh, I thought Rollins's body language and his reactions to what Dean was putting across was very well done. I even thought Ambrose did a pretty good job with just a terrible script. I, but I did like the body language. I like the inflection. I like the attitude. Um, but then there was the Nakamura promo on Tuesday. And this had to be the pop moment of the week when Nakamura is talking about being heartbroken that Seth Rollins is not focused on him this Sunday. I, I thought that was actually pretty damn funny. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going with Shinsuke over strong on Sunday because I do expect some kind of Tom fuckery, Seth not being focused on Shinsuke. And I think this would be a huge win for Shinsuke that he actually really, really needs. And I don't think Rollins is damaged too much in the loss. Uh, but what the hell are we doing with Nakamura going forward? Like Shinsuke just feels like he's kind of, floating on his own little plane of existence at this point. What's well, always, you talk about the disrespect towards the WWE championship, United States championship is such an afterthought. I mean, it's, it's almost a place where you just kind of just go to, to die. You think about some of the last champions had the, the title does nothing for anyone. They're just hoping, Oh, cause you got a belt. You're relevant. No, that's not the case. Uh, we got to start building these champs up here. WWE make the right call here. Do not have any kind of Dean Ambrose interference that, that cost Rollins this match. You can already use the out that he's just simply distracted, that the lunatic is that far in his head that it, it's what maybe caused him to lose. I think you got to have Nakamura win this thing straight out and then start taking his reign as champion seriously going forward. There's one other guy that could come into play during this match. Randy Orton's going to RKO somebody. I keep, I don't overbook this thing. Just go out there and let these guys hit their spots. Oh, I'm telling you, but Randy Orton, uh, somewhere on this show, Randy Orton's going to RKO somebody. It very, it very easily could be Seth Rollins. We do know that there's some kind of weird, like dirty knife pervert thing going on between Nakamura and Randy Orton. It wouldn't surprise me if this is where you see Randy Orton just show up, RKO Seth Rollins and boom. And everybody's like, why Randy? Why? And it would fit in with his kind of mantra right now, you know, where he's going out and just laying out all the indie guys. I hope not. Well, speaking of mantra, let's go ahead. Let's throw it over to the break. This is Bring Me the Horizon with Mantra. We'll be right back. Do you want to start a cult with me? I'm not vibrating like I ought to be. I need a purpose. I can't keep surfing through this existential misery. 
need some real estate But if I choose my words carefully Think I could fool you that I'm the guru Wait, how do you spell epiphany? Yeah. <clears throat> Could I have your attention please? Time to tap into your tragedy Think you could use a new abuser Close your eyes and listen carefully Imagine you're stood on a beach You're the jelly like me at your feet But now you're sinking, what were you thinking? That's all the time we have this week Before the truth will set you free It'll piss you off before you find a place to be So we're back for segment two. That was Bring Me the Horizon with their new song, Mantra. Coming up in uh, 2019, got a new album coming out. Huckleberry, you know I am a big fan of Bring Me the Horizon. I'll say uh, so that's yet to be released? Yeah, coming out in uh, January 2019. Well, I say it's kind of fitting. We got a, a big debut, you know, music-wise on the show, but we also got a guest making a debut here on the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming to the show. He is the editor-in-chief over at Last Word on ProWrestling.com. Mr. Jamie Greer. Jamie, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, happy birthday to the whole, I mean, media group. One year. One year. God, we're getting old. I don't even know how many shows we have done at this point. You know, I I thought it was, I thought you guys were a lot longer than that. 
you guys have packed like ten a decade's worth of stuff into, into a year. It feels that's what happens well, I, when you have I, daily I content. There was a little yeah. confusion because I guess the roots do go back more than a year because yeah. I think it, it'll be almost two years from when like the conspiracy horseman got rolling. And obviously, yeah. you know, you had Big Ray and Ben with the impact. But yeah. to me, to me, we're recognizing that one year on that platform because that's when that's when they brought Jargon on. So that's yeah. when they really took off and went to that next yeah. level. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we will take all the credit in the world. Uh, before we before we talk about Cody, don't call him Rhodes. Uh, Mr. Greer, we wanted to bring you on the show. I know we have a a whole new bunch of listeners, and I assume that all of them came from LastWordOnProWrestling.com. It was insane. It was insane. I I logged in to upload last week's episode, and I was like, holy crap! Where did all these listeners come from? Thank you for listening. If this is your first time, I'm sincerely sorry. Uh, Jamie, why don't you tell everybody, for because we do have a bit of a crossover audience here, tell people about Last yeah. Word on ProWrestling.com and what it is that you guys are doing and what sets you apart from all these other pro wrestling websites that are absolutely worthless. Uh, well, um, <laughs> Well, I, I joined as a writer about three years ago. I, I, I'd say it's uh, it's it's a it's a part of a bigger uh, sports news network called Last Word on Sports, and uh, we're obviously the rep, the pro wrestling department. Uh, started as a writer, and about just just, just roughly two years ago, I kind of got the managing editor position. And uh, what we really wanted to try to switch the focus a bit was uh, it seemed a lot of a lot of sites dwell a, a bit too much on the WWE. I mean. I, granted, yes, they're the biggest promotion, and just on, in the pure numbers alone, you, that's what your target audience or the, your base audience is going to be. Uh, but we, we thought that they wasted a awful lot of time on things that weren't really news. Like, you know, how many times we didn't hear about what Nikki Bella wore to a white, uh, you know, some Nickelodeon awards or stuff like that. So we figured instead of, you know, we still touch a lot in the WWE, but stuff that's actually news and newsworthy and uh, sort of not insulting the intelligence of the listener, so to speak, or, or reader. And uh, we wanted to spend that time promoting indie promotions. Uh, not just indie, but, you know, other other major promotions like, you know, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact, you know, follow their rise and show that they're back on the way up rather than, you know, still crapping on the product, so to speak, and still living in the, in the TNA d- d- naysayer doomsayer stuff and not just that we wanted to show more stuff get more people into pwg get more stuff into mlw picking up get more stuff in the lucha underground get more stuff in the you know aaw in chicago and aiw in cleveland and you know there's just so many promotions around the world and the you know, the whole rise of the brute wrestle stuff and uh the women's re- revolution but not the wwe's but you know how get more people watching shimmer shine so we've been really focusing on a lot of the promotions and the, the territory, so to speak, around the world that we felt we were really being neglected or passed over or just given a brief little byline. And uh, it's it's worked out for us. Uh, our readership has gone up exponentially. I mean, uh, in the last couple of years, we've made some great partnerships with, uh, well, with you know, from guys like you to... Um, to a lot of indie promotions, you know, we now sort of follow each other and, and we help promote and we get a lot of good stuff with them uh so it, it's been good and uh and any excuse for me to watch more wrestling i don't really watch many other sports so i think uh you may be the one man on the face of the planet that watches as much professional wrestling as i do um which is scary <laughs> in itself um 
what is your favorite promotion right now? What is what is the one hour or two hours worth of TV that you look at your week and you say, nope, I'm not DVR in that. I have to see it live. Uh, well, I I guess in a way it's lucky that my, my I work days my 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 day job. Uh, my wife works nights, and we have a five year old, so I'm stuck at home most nights. So I uh, I watch most of it live. Uh, for some of the WWE stuff, that's unfortunate, but <laughs> uh, I mean, I like segments. I mean, I'm, I've been watching WWE since I was, I don't know, eight, nine, you know, late seventies. So, I mean, it's sort of always that part of you there that you're like, Oh, it's going to come through this week. But, um, that's a good question. Impact. Uh, I really try and watch that every week cause it's really been, uh, exciting stuff. Uh, I'm actually on a bit of a, I, but two weeks ago, I, I watched uh, Pro Wrestling Eve for, out of uh, the UK. They're kind of England's version of Shimmer. Um, uh, I watched their free Wrestle Queendom thing that they put on earlier this year, and uh, I kind of got hooked on it. So I bought their on demand. So I've actually been binge watching all their stuff up till their they had their She One, their play on the G One. They just had that last week. So looking forward to that this weekend. Well, there's a lot of stuff this weekend. Uh, Game Changer Wrestling, I really become a huge fan of in the last six months. Um, I've, act I've actually talked to Danny, uh, interviewed him a while back, and uh, so I've been really following them. Looking forward to the Janela's LA Confidential. That's uh, more on Friday night. Uh, so there's a lot of good stuff right now. I mean, it, everywhere I turn, there's something else where I'm like, God, how am I going to squeeze this in now? Uh, the NXT, NXT UK has been good. NXT has been great. Uh, May Young Classic, I was really looking forward to watching. A bit, a bit sad that's done, but yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Greer, you're, you're talking about all this great love for you know today's promotions. You know how much you're following. You know, I'm like you. I I started watching. You know, back in the day, I jumped on. You know, early '80s. Yeah. When I think back to those glory days, there's so many promotions. You know that I just used to, that I was in love with back then. Is there any defunct promotions that you really miss, or maybe they were guilty pleasures of yours? Uh, well. Being Canadian, Stampede Wrestling is a big part of our uh, our lifeblood. Uh, Hart family is is Canada's royal family, so to speak. So, um, I would. I'm so I'm still waiting for those to get uploaded. Uh, I know they were up briefly before Brett pulled out the whole. Hey, I've got the thing in my claws that anything I'm a part of, I get royalties for. So, blah blah blah. And so that's they're still reworking that. So I'm waiting for that to get up. Uh, well, I didn't. We didn't get a whole lot in the area I grew up. Different parts of Canada got like in, in the in central provinces. They got AWA. Uh, some of the other ones on the on the on the east coast got some of the NWA feeds. Uh, we didn't get a whole lot, unfortunately. So I didn't have much except for uh, WWF Maple Leaf Wrestling. That's what we got. We're so, uh, you know now that you're involved so heavily with you know the new era of professional reporting with, you know, obviously with last word on yeah. pro wrestling, uh, you know, they'd also, you know, opening great platforms for us here on the hitting marks pro wrestling podcast back yeah. then. Were you, were you into any uh, newsletters or like tape treating or anything like that? You know, I wasn't, I, uh, I, it probably wasn't until about, uh, let's see. I would say it was probably about the mid, let's say about 96, 97, uh, with the whole 
sort of the, the start of the Monday Night Wars. And I had friends who were in the tape trading with ECW. A, a couple of guys were getting stuff from Japan. Uh, but I didn't have the interest in it back then. I mean, I can, I can admit my ignorance and in, in not realizing how much was out there. Uh, I mean, I knew of the the territories and and that, all that. Uh, I I was reading all, most of the the after mags, uh, and uh, to be honest, a lot of a lot of them scared me. I mean, the Road Warriors scared the shit out of me before I had ever even seen them wrestle a match, just from just from their the articles, and they were always covered in blood, and Dusty was covered in blood, and somebody was covered in blood with them. So uh, I was always very much aware of it, uh, and I. I, I suffer from OCD, which is why I, I tend to write so prolifically. Is I tried to write a book to try and compile as much info as I could about all these wrestlers that I was seeing in magazines and that I was watching as well. And that kind of led me down a rabbit hole to start exploring and, and catching up on stuff. So from 97 to about 2002 was a lot of... Uh, soaking up the territories and you know catching back up on a lot of the early ecw stuff and uh, japanese stuff i'd missed out on um i liked a lot of the mid-south stuff uh i liked a lot of that heavy hitting stuff i was a big fan of uh dibiase uh before he came over as a million dollars so getting to see a lot of that stuff was really cool Rick, anything else that you wanted to ask Mr. Greer before we talk about Cody? Don't call him Rhodes. I, obviously, you know, before we you know jump into our Cody conversation, yeah, I, I just I really just personally wanted to you know say thank you just for you know, for the platform. When Jargo showed me the numbers last week, I, you know we were both absolutely blown away. Uh, you know to well. just see to just see you know the new audience that we've been able to reach through. Through your site, uh, I think you know this partnership was a long time coming. I, I can't believe yeah, it yeah. took us this long to get to this point, but hey, better yeah. late than never. And Absolutely. you know, I'm yeah. you know very thankful for the opportunity. And I'm looking forward to you know many more months, years to come of yeah, you know absolutely. both of these platforms so. growing together. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the best part about all of this stuff is uh, finding uh, like minds and uh, sort of joining at the same time and kind of believing in one another and uh, taking these chances and. Uh, just uh, nurturing them and pushing forward, and uh, uh, yeah, no, I, you, you guys, you guys are great, and uh, I think it really uh, lends with the voice we're trying to to, to carry forth as well. Uh, just to, you know, honesty, and not dwelling on the stupid stuff, and uh, going forward, and uh, looking forward to it. So uh, glad to have you guys, and glad to be working with you guys. Well, instead of putting each other over, let's talk about some yeah. injury stuff. Uh, you, you brought up Joey uh, Janela here just a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Joey Janela's got a new T-shirt out at ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Joey Janela. Uh, he and Joey Ryan have paired together. They have a new T-shirt, Support the Injured Joeys. Fantastic stuff. Um, but it, it seems as though uh, our, our friend Cody, yeah. don't call him Rhodes, uh, yes, Cody uh, seems to have himself a nice little injury as well. Here is the injury update from the uh, quote-unquote pop that we heard, or Cody heard in his knee the other day. The results of Cody Rhodes' MRI came in on his knee. He suffered a large meniscus tear in an injury on Friday night's ROH Global War show in Buffalo. The injury occurred when he pivoted his foot, just moving and not the result of any move. Yes, he was actually throwing a t-shirt into yeah. the crowd. That's how that's how he screwed up his knee. This injury will require arthroscopic surgery. Right now, his plan is to get the surgery in January after Wrestle Kingdom 13. 
While not announced based on the angle in Toronto last night, it looks like he will be defending the IWGP United States Championship against Juice Robinson at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, of course, he missed the match in Toronto against Beretta. Cody tweeted a couple of days ago, Good news is my doctor is fairly confident that my MCL, PCL, ACL are structurally sound. That's the good news. Bad news is the meniscus is fairly damaged, going to require a scope. No dates will be adjusted at the moment. I'll definitely still compete in the final battle main event and at Wrestle Kingdom. Shortly before we started recording today, it has been officially announced your main event of final battle is going to be Cody, don't call him Rhodes, going after the ROH World Championship against Jay Lethal. And they are straight up doing the CM Punk storyline. Cody is, yeah, is trying absolutely. to win that title and walk away with it. Um, Mr. Greer, what do you make of everything going on right now with Cody, don't call him Rhodes, this injury angle, final battle, Wrestle Kingdom, and then I guess, really, we can jump into the elite and where we go from here. Well, it's. I think they've learned some good lessons from uh, Chris Jericho, their buddy uh, from the Alpha Club there. Um, these guys have had a, an amazing track record of trolling the fans and working the fans uh, to the point where I don't even know if I can make an educated guess at this point. I mean, I, I would... I would I would say that they're not going to the WWE just because of the fact that they seem to be making it blatantly obvious that they are. Um, the, whenever they're asked for dream matches, they keep mentioning the revival. Young Bucks re mentioned a revival and New Day and uh, what was the the latest being the Elite there with uh, Adam Page making the doing the little detective work. How Kenny Omega or mentioned the Royal Rumble and how. Uh, Cody's now freaking out and mentioning Stardust again. So it just seems that they're uh, pointing too close that it's that we're not going there, we're not going there, but let's have fun and pretend we are. Um, which, if they're not going back to New Japan and Ring of Honor, then uh, and again, with the Bucks not being invited to the World Tag League starting up soon and them saying that New Japan can't afford it and uh, Omega making that, that Snyder mark the other day about not making any money off Bullet Club merchandise. Uh Again, is that true? Are they trying to? Are they going to re-sign with New Japan? This is trying to throw stuff off. It's it's tough to read. Um, they could all be doing making the play for their own promotion next year, as we've heard rumors of that too. Uh, seems a, a a big shot, but I mean, they could be doing some kind of pairing with Corgan with NWA. Who knows? Um, but uh, I think the whole Cody thing. I mean, I, I know some people were a bit uh, ticked off about. Uh, Cody and Lethal. I saw a lot of negative comments today about that matchup, but uh, if he is going, I think it, it kind of completes this, the circle of life of Cody and, and Ring of Honor. I mean, he's had a pretty two-year off-and-on storyline with Lethal. I mean, starting when he when he uh, beat him at Final Battle 2016, uh, which was which was Cody's big heel turn. Uh, and kind of, I think that match kind of... Uh, gave Cody direction on the Indies. I think before that he was just a novelty act and he was just kind of popping up here or there everywhere, uh, just doing his thing. And he was just Cody, uh, just seemed like the WWE cast off that was just doing these big matches. I felt that match at the end and this turn kind of gave him some substance and a character on the, the Indies there. And uh, then he joined the bullet club shortly after that. Uh, and then they met again, uh, super card of honor, 2017, Texas Bull Rope and Lethal won that. 
so they were one and one. Then RevPro Uprising last, well, just almost just a year, almost just under a year ago, just over a year ago, just under a year ago, last December, uh, when Cody finally beat Lethal for the world title. So Cody's up two one with the championship win. That uh, it almost feels like that this has to happen. Um, Lethal brought him into Ring of Honor, so to speak, and I think Lethal's going to send him out. And uh, I, I'm kind of expecting Cody to do do the favors uh, going out, but you never know. Uh, they might still work out some appearance deals after this. Uh, it could very well be that that's what they do with New Japan as well, that they're not signing full-time de- deals with anybody and just going to work the free agency route. Well, you have to think, no matter who wins this match at Final Battle is going to go into Madison Square Garden as the defending Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. Now, the yes. logical match to me in the garden would be Jay Lethal versus Matt Taven. We're going to finally unify the, unify, the ROH yeah. World Heavyweight Championship. That seems logical, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Cody on top in that show. No, not at all. I mean, and that's another thing. I think Cody said that he was definitely not going to be at the Madison Square Garden show. So, I mean, that's... I mean, because... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I could have, I'm pretty sure that Cody's Ring of Honor contract is already done. That He's kind of... He's working on working. a handshake deal at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it's very possible. Um, Any... Again, again, it goes back to the whole swerves. Our, just because he's saying he's not going to be there, who knows? Maybe he will be there. Um, well, you talked about Jericho earlier. I mean, the surefire way to know that Chris Jericho is going to be on a show is look at his Twitter feed. And when Jericho says, I will not be at this show, he will absolutely be at the show. And if it's, (laughs) if it's a show where he kind of teases, Hey, I'm going to be at the show. Like, I don't know, bound for glory. Then, you know, he's not going to be at the show. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, usually, usually the stronger his reaction that he's not doing something is that he's actually doing it. Well, I think, uh, you know, one thing to keep in mind here, he's set to have this surgery, you know, middle, like we're talking mid-January there. Uh, oh, it's yeah. going to it's gonna be, it could be up to about a two-month recovery time uh, so before that's he gets right, back to anything. That's that right before, right? right? Yeah, that, before, yeah. That, I mean, that would be that big return bout for him would be right around that WrestleMania weekend. And, and, you know, as much as he's got a story with Lethal, he's also got a story with Taven with that, with the whole actual ring of honor. Uh, so him, him, uh, passing the torch, so to speak to Taven and, and them solidif- them unifying it with him, get finally getting a, a legit victory over Cody. Isn't a bad. So, I mean, yeah, that actually, I never even thought it considered that, but, uh, that's opened up an, an entirely, so there's two avenues that Cody's got legitimate storylines that haven't fully had closure. So. Could you see the triple threat? The yeah. Ring of Honor versus the ROH World Title versus the versus Kingdom of the, Honor World Championship? Yeah, yeah. For the undisputed. Winner takes the all. Ring of, the Ring of Honor Universal Championship. As long as Matt Taven stands tall at the end of that show, I am completely fine with it. Um, Cody also took to Twitter the other day and he said, you know, since he's going to be a free agent coming up in January, he wants to know who is it that we, the fans, want to see Cody, don't call him Rhodes, face off against. And Jamie, I thought you were the perfect person to bring on for this segment. There's nobody who knows more indie wrestling throughout the world. (laughs) What are your personal Cody Rhodes dream matches at this point? 
Well, I'm still kind of intrigued. Matt Tremont was uh, looking to do his final death match with Cody Rhodes, and I'm, I'm curious how that would work. Now, that would be interesting. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how death matchy Cody is ready to get into it. Just, well, he's still young, but um, I'm not sure he could ever get to that. I mean, I can see him maybe wrestling like Nick Gage and beyond, maybe, but not. At, I can't see him going full death match. Uh, see who else rick is there anybody that immediately comes to mind for you that you're like i want to see that match before cody rhodes goes back to the wwe well i was gonna say you know it's with every layer that we've just talked about here you don't know where what you know where does it work in where does it begin there's so many levels here like you know as whisper was talking about it's almost too obvious to go back to wwe but is that is that their the end game for them let's make it so obvious that it surprises yeah. people when we actually do it. You know, maybe to, uh, there's so many great names out there. And I'm trying to even think of two, you know, just not who, but when and where would you like to see something like this? I, he's worked so many great matches, you know, so far on the indie circuit. It, it's really hard to just maybe pinpoint, narrow down one individual. Uh, Jargo, you, you've kind of stumped us here for a minute. you got something that you're holding back on us. Well, of course, the one that immediately comes to mind for me is we talk about with Cody, you can't tell where the work stops and where the shoot begins. And there's one other guy on the independent scene that I feel like has that same quality. So I want to see Sammy Callahan, aren't you? I want to see Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Callahan in Ohio, by Ohio, for Ohio, against Ohio. Huckleberry, what do you think? You suppose we can get that set up for Rockstar? I would. I was just actually going to just throw Rockstar out there, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna see you there, and, and up Danny a little bit. Why not? Why not? Why just Cody and Sammy? I want the whole kabang. I want. I want more bang for my buck. I want six man. I want the OVE taking on Cody and the Young Bucks in a matchup. Ooh, that would be good stuff too. You could throw in Jessica Havoc and Brandy Rhodes there and go full on. Okay, now now we have advantage <laughs> Ohio though, and that can't that can't That's go. True. Hey, hey I, I'm going to say uh, just it would yeah. be a, a one hell of a match. I'm going to substitute Havoc out, and I want Nevaeh. Yeah, uh, there we go. There we go. That evens it up a little bit. I like that. Um, you brought up Brandy. How does Brandy Rhodes fit into this whole thing? Because I mean, you know, obviously, if the elite leave Ring of Honor. Is Brandy staying with the women of honor or does Brandy go with that group? I think she, I honestly think she would do better if she went to somewhere like Shimmer or Shine or Rise or somewhere like that. Um, as much as I love Ring of Honor, I, I really think that the women of honor is one of the worst booked women's divisions in, in the world right now. It's, uh, and I think they've got the talent, they've got the talent to work. Although I'm not quite sure why Mandy Leone gets pushed as up as much as she does. Well, I, I can I can think it's my I'd be I'd, be delirious, not, I'd, be, I'd be delirious not to think why she's getting <laughs> well played, uh, well played. But uh, I mean uh, Kelly Klein, uh, big fan of hers. I was shocked that she hasn't got the title yet. Uh, I mean I, I, I was battle. a big fan. I was a big fan. Yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of Sumi Sakai getting getting it initially. Uh, she was the first woman to wrestle for them in twenty in two thousand two when they first started on like their fourth card, I think. Uh, she's definitely been a pioneer for the women's women's independent wrestling uh, in the U.S. You know, working with Shimmer and other stuff as well. And uh, but I just I just don't see that Brandy's going to get 
as much growth that I think if she was working a bit more often with some of these places like Shimmer, where she can work more more often with people like you know like Tessa and uh, you know Delilah Doom and Santana Garrett and all the other people, working a little more closely with them, that she'll. I mean, I, I, she's already miles better than she was when she was with FCW. So I, I feel uh, like Brandy would fit in really, really well with our friends over at Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because she's she's definitely got the charisma that she could be a she could be a, a bigger than life superhero on a, on a show like that for sure. Rick, you got anything else here for Mister Greer? Yeah, I mean, hey. Some great insight, some great takes. Hey, you know, you got my mind going. You know, okay, you've laid out a lot of things here. You know, where do we where do we go with this? I, I love you know the brandy conversation. Something I hadn't considered because you know, outside of I mean, one of the most beautiful women in the world, incredibly marketable, but she's got that great personality. And she it, does, and and, and she's come a long she, way in the ring too. Absolutely, well, absolutely. Why well, was you know put over not just where she's come in the ring, but it's some of the those subtle things that she can do, even in the managerial role. I mean, almost sitting there, we were sitting there at all in, and I even made mention to Jargo, you know, as we're sitting there in the arena, I said, man, just, just watch Brandy, how far she has come. Just, you know, that body language, she, and just her presence there. A, a classic, she's almost become a classic, like 70s, early 80s territorial manager. Like, she, like she's the, the new the Elizabeth. She's yeah. the new Elizabeth. But if Elizabeth was uh, more conniving, yeah. Elizabeth was always the more innocent to the to the. She was the the good to Randy's dark side, but I, but I think Brandy's got more of a a dark twist to her that she um she does a lot of good things and it's, it's the subtle things like that the NWA match there at NWA seventy her her and Camila's actions were uh, really old school stuff. I like. I, I think uh, I think we we might have a, a new little term there for Brandy. She's uh, she's Elizabeth in the streets. But Sister Sherry in the sheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Huckleberry. That's fantastic yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Well, Mr. Greer, we would like to thank you for joining us here on the Absolutely. show this week. Uh, we'll have to do this again real soon. We, we've got a ton of other stuff to talk about today. Uh, why don't you tell people how to get in touch with you across social media, how to get in touch with the site, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go All from right. there. Well, the website's easy enough. Last word on prowrestling.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter, uh, LWOS Wrestling on Twitter. Uh, we got a Facebook group as well. Just check, just uh, punch in last word on pro wrestling. And uh, you can find us uh, all those areas. Do you want and people to follow you individually or are you antisocial uh, like I am? Yeah, if they want, they can find me if they want to. <laughs> Fantastic. Jamie, thank you very much for joining us today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll thank be, you, I'll sir. I'll the rest of the show. Thank you. All right, cheers. This is the bad boy, New Japan Pro Wrestling Tamatonga, and you're listening to that whole-ass podcast pretty much. So that was a word from our boy Tama Tonga. Yeah, getting ready for some World Tag League. The Gorillas of Destiny getting ready to go out and defend those IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. Special thanks to Jamie Greer for joining us for the first part of Segment 2. That was a good conversation, Huckleberry. Enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, great having him on. All the great work that you know that they're doing over there on Last Word on Pro Wrestling. Uh, just 
John proud, honored to be a part of that platform now. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about some New Japan Pro Wrestling. We've got World Tag League, nights one and two. That's kind of under the radar here, getting ready to kick off this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Got two more shows I got to watch. Oh, yeah. Of course, we've already went through. We announced all the teams for World Tag League, and those matches are going to be going on on these shows. But, Rick, as I was looking through these cards, there's a couple of other matches on these shows that I thought may intrigue you a little bit. Night one, we're going to have a war inside of Suzuki goon. That's something that we don't see very often as the, uh, IWGP junior heavyweight tag team champions are going to be split up and it's going to be El Desperado teaming with Lazuka and Suzuki to take on Kanemaru and the killer elite squad. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be real interesting. That's really seems to be, you know, outside of we've had so many bullet club versus bullet club. That's been that focal point. It's interesting to see that they're kind of taking this to the other factions. Well, what's going on here is Lazuka and Suzuki are going to face off against the Killer Elite Squad on night two. Of course, both teams inside of the World Tag League. This is pretty customary how they like to set up these matches. Uh, but I thought this one was real interesting. It's not very often that we see a feud inside of Suzuki Goon, let alone with the junior tag team champions on opposite sides of the ring. I'm fascinated to see how Kanemaru and Desperado react with uh, one another here. Well, with uh, with you know the big tag match getting set to take place inside tag league, and then you got the split here with your junior champs. Do you see who? You usually can pinpoint who's taking the fall. How do you see this one playing out? Man, this is going to be interesting. I almost feel like Suzuki is going to pin Kanemaru. Now, that seems like that makes the most sense. The leader pins the low man on the totem pole. Kind of protect everybody there a little bit. Yep. Uh, and then we have this match intrigued me greatly because last week I, I kind of pitched this idea that we should do a Survivor Series inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this isn't going to be an elimination match, but this is exactly what I was talking about. You have Team Chaos, which is going to be Rapungi 3K, Sho and Yo, Yano, Ishii, and Okada making up the team for Chaos. And then they're taking on Los Ingobernobles de Pond. Shingo, Bushi, Evil, Sonata, and Naito. Now, number one, you have two huge factions going to war here, but yeah, that's right. You're going to have both Okada and Nato in the ring at the same time, and that's really why I wanted to talk about this match. It's been a while since we've seen Okada and Nato go at it. Well, I think you're going to, obviously, that's going to be a highlight spot of this match to see those two just step in against one another. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then we have, of course, we have a couple of programs going on inside of here. It's going to be Yano and Ishii are going to be taking on Evil and Sonata night two. That's really what this is setting up. But this is also setting up at Wrestle Kingdom. It's going to be Sho and Yo of Rapungi 3K defending in that triple threat or not defending, I'm sorry, trying to capture the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships from Kanemaru and Desperado. Oh, yeah, and the third team is Shingo and Bushi. So we've got a couple of different stories going on here. We've got Yano and Ishii versus Evil and Sonata. We've got Sho and Yo versus Shingo and Bushi. And then we've got Okada versus Naito. I'm really looking forward to this match. Yeah, like I said, so many layers going on here, so many different stories. And... and they, they know how to package everything together where it's if this is not going to be one of those matches you want to sit on because every little move 
is going to you know play into a major story going forward. Night two, we see a little bit of the same thing as it's going to be a six-man tag, Rapungi 3K and Okada taking on Shingo, Bushi, and Naito. Uh, it almost feels like we are going to start building another Okada and Naito program, which I'm fine with. Do you think that would probably, would that lead us, that would be like the spring program? I assume it would be the spring program for the Intercontinental Championship because I expect Naito is going to win it back at Wrestle Kingdom from Chris Jericho. Uh, then we have the uh, Lazuka and Suzuki versus Killer Elite Squad. That's a World Tag League match. We have Yano and Ishii taking on Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi. That's a World Tag League match. And then we have Michael Elgin and Jeff Cobb taking on Evil and Sonata. I almost called him Michael Cobb. That's what happened there. I, I almost say, called him Michael Cobb. Yourself. Yep. Elgin and Cobb. I'm looking forward to that one because I want to see those two guys together. I'm very interested how that's going to work. They, they haven't been on the same page in the past, correct? No, they were they were World Tag League partners last year, and they dislike each other very much. Okay, so they couldn't get along. I just, I just imagine if these two could get it together, how dangerous of a duo these two could be. Well, and that's the thing that's so interesting as you watch that uh, World Tag League from last year. They just don't like each other. And it's it's not that it's kayfabe. It's not that it's storyline. These two gentlemen legitimately, as a shoot, do not like one another. So you get this very interesting dynamic where, you know, they're trying to advance story and they're trying to be a unified team. But Jeff Cobb and Michael Elgin, they legitimately, as a shoot, do not like one another. So it's always fascinating seeing that kind of a tag team. It's kind of like Yano and Ishii. Like those two guys are going to be in world tag league. And they're one of the most interesting teams because I just, for the life of me, I cannot imagine Tomohiro Ishii hanging out with fucking Yano. I just, I can't do it. Can't do it. Let's well, uh, we're, we're doing the big survivor series preview this Sunday. That's going to be live on twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks technology. Gods be with us. Um, so I wanted to go ahead. I wanted to do a takeover preview because Sunday, obviously takeover will already be in the books and, uh, there, there, there's some interesting stuff going on with this show. Number one, Cassius Ono and Matt Riddle is off of this show. As we saw on NXT TV last night, this match is going to happen next week on NXT TV. They are still going to film it at takeover. It's just not going to be part of the live show. And that sucks, Rick, because I was really looking forward to this match. Now there's only four matches on this takeover. I said, when, when I saw this news break, I know it's disappointing to lose this on the actual takeover. People are really looking forward to this. But I think it, it's, this is the right move. You know, they're, they're still going to film it there. That live audience is going to get that treat. They're going to be hot for this thing. But I think bumping it, you know, it's going to give you a great reason, reason to tune in Next week, obviously, a lot of people are going to know the results. But to me, this one isn't about who wins. This is about this is must-see action. This is something you're, you're going to want to see with your own eyes, just not read about it. So it still sells there. And with it getting moved to television, it's going to get the time that it might not get if it had stayed on the actual takeover card. They're going to give these guys 10-plus minutes on next week's program. So I, in that respect, I think it's a good move. And definitely where I don't – I typically probably wouldn't tune in to the, the NXT weekly programming following a takeover as I binge watch, as I've already started my binge here for, for takeover. Uh, pretty much that is my day tomorrow is just finishing up on that to gear up for, 
for Saturday, but I, I like the move because, I mean, this, this card is stacked. You've got a lot going on, and I'd hate to see it where you send these two out there, two amazing talents, and they end up with only like five minutes to get all their stuff in. What do you think? Who do you think is going to win this match? Well, I, I think we all know. It just goes to saying that it, that it has. You know, here, that's, that's what he's there for. Oh, no, that's what he's there for. You know, he, he is that put over this early for Garrido. I, I don't think you can have a defeat here. Uh, but with, with the television, though, could we get some kind of swerve that, that leads us in another direction? Uh, maybe after the match, a, a post beatdown from, from the big man that's been kind of running around there. I'm going to go with one of my favorite finishes in the history of professional wrestling that I don't see very often, and I don't feel like it's something that can be done very often. I agree with you. Cassius Ono is there to put over new talent, but I am going to put Ono over in this match. Yeah, that's right, because I feel like we have to rebuild Cassius Ono. If we're going to keep putting him in these spots, he has to get a win once in a while, and I don't think that Matt Riddle is hurting the loss. But here's what I'm going to do. You know that finish where the guy gets the win and then he just refuses to stop? and the referee reverses his decision and disqualifies the guy, that's what I'm going with in this match. I want to see Cassius Ono win this match, but then put the post-match beatdown on Matt Riddle so heavily that the referee reverses the decision, and that leads to Keith Lee coming out to stop Cassius Ono. Because after this match, I want to see Keith Lee versus Cassius Ono. Okay, so I was going to ask you, you know, could we potentially be going towards Lee versus Riddle? Oh, see, yeah, I could see that happening as well. But right now, they're they're kind of positioned together, and I feel like Keith Lee versus Cassius Ono, I think that's a really good match that I would like to see. If that is your direction, then most certainly you need not to just reestablish Ono, but you got to bring that fire. Absolutely. And your, and your finish would be perfect there. And to me, that is even that is a great finish for television. You send that off the air next week with Odo just snapping. Uh, then you set yourself up with, with a hot program. You know, I was going to ask you, you know, where do you see you know, what would be next for Riddle here? But I, even in that, you know, I guess he would still play into that little program there. Yeah, absolutely. So it'd kind of be a little three-way uh, dichotomy inside of NXT. But I, I, I like it. I love that finish. That's one of my favorite finishes in pro wrestling. And it's one of those things you can only do it once in a blue moon. But I feel like this match, this is the match to do that finish in. So let's take a look at the, the actual matches that are going to be on the live show. I assume that this is going to be the order of matches, although I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to start the show off with Johnny Gargano and Alistair Black. Uh, Rick, last night on NXT TV, we, we saw all the video packages that they are going to be showing leading up to war games. And I'm sure inside of the war games event itself, the way this package is put together is freaking brilliant. And it just screams Jeremy Borash. Like, I think Jeremy Borash went back and he watched the, uh, Heath Ledger, dark Knight movie. And uh, he decided that that's what we're going to do. It's going to be a cross between Venom and Joker, and that's going to be Johnny Gargano. And then you have Alistair Black. I'm not sure how to call this match, though. I'm really not. Well, I think that's that's one of the intriguing parts. It's one of, it, it's what gets you hooked. You know, you, you don't know where this is going to go because you could see either one going over. Then there's also you know huge questions of where does this program progress to. 
uh, you got to believe, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't going to end here. This thing is just getting heated up. How are, how are that? What is the next chapter going to tell? And this is one of those where you don't even really want to try to over predict it because it's been put together so well that you just want to sit back and enjoy the ride. Okay, now let me ask you this. We heard going into, um, shoot, I forget where the last takeover was. Uh, well, no, it would have been Brooklyn. Brooklyn. It would have been, been Brooklyn. Uh, we had heard that coming out of that takeover, Alistair Black was due to be called up. Now we have a heel Daniel Bryan on SmackDown Live. So I feel like one of these guys, either one of these guys, could be called up on Tuesday to SmackDown Live and immediately be a contender to Daniel Bryan and the WWE Championship. Now, obviously, Aleister Black, you could slide him in there real easy because he is a babyface character. I guess the real question here is, could we give Johnny Gargano the Bobby Roode treatment? Could you call Johnny Gargano up on Tuesday and pretend like this heel turn never happened and have babyface Johnny Gargano challenging Daniel Bryan? I actually think in either scenario, calling up either of these individuals right now would be a huge mistake. You've got too much of everything good or bad in Johnny Gargano is already there and established in Daniel Bryan. With Daniel actually making this turn now, you don't want to confuse anyone with what's happening. I don't even really know if I like the visual of even baby Gargano versus Bryan. That doesn't... I mean, we're talking about basically some cruisers challenging for the WWE championship. Yeah, that very easily could be a 205 live main event. Right. I, and then on the flip of that, I just don't think that Black is ready. Not It's not talent-wise. I just – you need some time to introduce that character. I still think they need to figure it out. They're getting it a little bit right here, but let's not forget, you know, the six or so months of – damn, eight, 12 months where they dropped the ball with him. Arguably the worst championship reign in NXT history. I, I feel like this match is bass backwards too. Like I feel like Johnny Gargano should be the baby face and Alistair Black should be the heel. I, I like that there's a twist there because you know and you're the one that kind of sold it to me because you've got where yeah Black is kind of that dark knight, but in so many other eyes you know that Batman is the villain. Yeah, I, that's really what it feels like. It feels like it's Batman and Joker. So it, it leaves it, it, you have room for interpretation how people want to feel about this thing. Because they have done some things in this program where you could feel the sympathy towards, still towards Gargano. What's happening? I, I love this thing. This has been one where I say I usually binge watch. I've been following this thing, you know, weekly with the, the updates and all that in the, in the promo packages that they've done this thing. I think it's been great. Uh, it's, it's got me interested in both of them, especially where, uh, pun intended, I guess, there was a bit of a fade on my behalf for, on Black. But I'm invested here. I just don't think – I think this thing is just starting in NXT. Again, I don't even know if Johnny Gargano ever leaves the yellow and black. I just think this might be his ceiling. And any opportunity for him going forward, pretty much that door was closed when Daniel Bryan got cleared. I feel like the real story here eventually – is going to be Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa reuniting as DIY. I think that's going to happen. It's going to be a heel version of DIY. And Tommaso Ciampa is going to be so happy that he brought the darkness out of Johnny Gargano. Except this time, it's going to be Gargano's going to turn on Ciampa. 
And this, and this whole thing, this whole darkness that he went through was just to get to Ciampa. And, and I think, you know, especially if NXT, if they're going to expect people to finally get over that stereotype that this is development, you need to keep some stars like that and tell these great stories here. Yeah. And I, I love that you, you bring it all full circle. You can get another year program out of these two where uh, Ciampa is he's happy. We're, we got an awesome heel DIY you know, reigniting that tag division. But then he realizes, oh, shit, I've kind of created an evil I can't control. Yeah, I dig it. Let's talk about the uh, women's championship. Your defending champion, Shayna Baszler, defending against Kyrie Sane. And, and this week we saw the video package, and I thought it was just tremendously done. Kyrie Sane is so sad that her treasure chest is now empty. Uh, <laughs> it was just a great visual. Um, and then, of course, you have the badass Shayna Baszler, along with Shafir and Jasmine Duke, uh, who I absolutely expect will be involved in at least one of the falls here. Uh, two out of three falls, Rick, and they did a great job in encompassing these women's entire history, the full year and a half long program that has been Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler. We hear that there's going to be call-ups coming, and I'm terrified that Baszler's going to be one, and I'm terrified that Shafir is going to be one, and I'm terrified that Duke is going to be one, and they're doing all of this for the horsewomen versus horsewomen thing. I really want Sheena Baszler to retain here, but everything in my gut is telling me Kyrie Sane. You know, I really like the two out of three that they've added to this thing. Before, all the speculation of the call-ups and the horsewomen versus horsewomen, I, I like this the stipulation in this in this story between these two you know it, it took everything Baszler had and then some to put Sane down last time you know they he, she snuck one by the, the little competitor that could but now she's got to do it two out of three times you know how are we going to get to that you are you are firmly going to establish a champion here I, I think everything I, I'm with you though I'd love to see Baszler keep this thing continue what she is doing in NXT let the other two develop, kind of get just their their presence, their programming presence with them. I, but going forward, you know, way, the way the stipulation set up, it's so great for Sane. What a great story to overcome for a baby. The, the three big monsters that are in your closet, and you're able to do this thing. It would be a tremendous moment for her. And the other thing that I always look at but, is... But, but like you're saying on the flip, though... Before you jump into that, just real quick, on the flip of that, though, Baszler loses this thing. It almost feels like you have to because what else is left there in NXT for her? Yeah, agreed. Very much agreed. The, the other thing that I always look at when it comes to the championship matches inside of NXT is who is the logical next contender for the championship. And right now it looks like the next contender is going to be Bianca Belair. It seems as though we have Bianca Belair is positioned as a threat. We also have Lacey Evans who is positioned as a threat. Both of them on the heel side of the depth chart. Neither one of them against Shayna Baszler really does it for me, but either one of them against Kyrie Sane seems like a money-making match for NXT. I think everything just really points to this is Sane's the take back, get the division going in a different direction, and it's time for Baszler to move on. And I really dislike that. 
I dislike that the, we would put the championship back on Baszler and then never have her defend it. There's not one successful title defense in this title reign for Shayna Baszler if Kyrie Sane takes the championship back here at Survivor Series. Or War Games, I'm sorry. Different gimmick. God, too many fucking gimmicks. Uh, let's talk about the War Games match itself. Undisputed Era taking on the War Raiders, Ricochet and Pete Dunne. This week on NXT TV, we saw Kyle O'Reilly defeat the Warbeard Hanson to uh, get the advantage for Undisputed Era. So obviously, as more people are filing into the ring, Undisputed Era will have the advantage. I like that that is back inside of the context. I like that it's two on two this time instead of being a stupid triple threat. I'm looking forward to this match and everything tells me that the War Raiders, Ricochet and Pete Dunn are going to win this match. And I hate that because I want the Undisputed Era to win this match. I want Undisputed Era to be two and zero in two war games. And because I, I feel like that's really something like, you know, I always felt like yeah, okay, it's a War Games match, but oh shit, the Horsemen are in it? Okay, if the Horsemen are in it, then now it's a real War Games match because the Horsemen kick ass when it comes to War Games. I want Undisputed Era in that same role, Rick. I want this to be Undisputed Era's event. I'm with you. I'm 100% with you there. Kind of going back to last year, it was a little different when they, they, they tried something different. You know, they went with the triple threat. They wanted to kind of reinvent it, you know, so it was, you know, the NXT version of the war game. It, it was a great match. You know, it had its spots. It was exciting. But very happy to see that they're going back to a little bit of the tradition, you know, how this thing was supposed to be structured here. Looking forward to that aspect of it. I'm with you 100%. I think especially when you're going into – a, a match of this setting, what's on the line, you always got to go with the guys that are established that actually roll together. Not just put together this makeshift that has, a, you know, the common enemies, but even more, as you said, I love how you, how you put it out there. This match was created for the horsemen. Yep. It, they owned it. So in this new era, give it to the undisputed era. Let this be their thing. You know, this, this will take them to 2-0. If we're going to know this is going to come about every year, hey, I, I'm, if they're still there, great. Take them to 3 0. Let them take the match with them if they, if they, you know, move on from NXT. I'd be down with that. You want something down the line, which would be freaking incredible? A 205 War Games. Yeah. That'd be you cool. Mean, let, let them take this with them. How long until we get a women's War Games match? I'm gonna regret well, I think, saying I think, that. I think, no, I think we're talking about it there. I mean, the the horsemen. Oh yeah! Wow, wouldn't that be something in the cage? That would be something cool. The only thing I don't know though is you would probably be hard pressed, and it'd all be about where that thing takes place. You know, sure as hell they're not going to do a dual ring at WrestleMania. No. So what I would suggest there is, and since this is an NXT thing now. You could, I, I wouldn't mind maybe war game rules, but put it inside Hell in a Cell. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I'd be down with that. Because there's no way in hell they're going to do a, a dual ring at a WrestleMania. No. They're not, giving, they're not giving up that floor room. The Visually, it's great during the war game, but during the show, especially live, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been to it's an hard indie to watch. show. I've, I've been to an indie show where they did the big. Uh, uh, World War gimmick battle royal oh, with, yeah. the three, with the three rings. Yep, it's it's pretty cool for the battle royal part, 
But when they're in, like in that top pyramid ring and you're sitting over here for like a regular match, it, it, it sucks. Yeah, I bet. Uh, that, that was uh, when I went to take over Chicago, too. As good as that street fight was between Ciampa and Gargano, being there live kind of sucked. You know? Yeah. When, when you're on the floor and they're fighting on the floor for the majority of the match, you can't see anything that's going on. Uh, let's talk about your NXT championship match. And this just you does know, not. You think, you, you think this closes over the war games? I would. I would, I would always close with the championship inside of NXT. Um, and, and if no other reason, then Ciampa was bragging about being the main event before he became NXT champion. Now he becomes NXT champion and you're not going to let him be the main event. I, I know. I just, I feel, I mean, these guys would really have to bring it. I, and I know people are so high on dream. I think, uh, Ciampa could do it, but I, I just don't know. I, I know dreams got to his big spots, but can he put it together for the whole match? to pull something off, especially after what we're going to see. Cause you from, know, Ricochet gonna war do, games. Ricochet is going to do something stupid. Well, that entire match is going to be about the spot. So then you're going to try to follow it up with a one-on-one where one of the guys is just spots. I really thought they were going to try to add some kind of gimmick into this, whether it became a triple threat with Lars Sullivan or I'm, I'm kind of glad they didn't. I just don't think it closes. I think this is, you know, right before the main event. It feels so underwhelming as an NXT championship match. And again, they, they put out the video package and they made Velveteen dream look like a million freaking bucks in the video package. Ciampa of course is Ciampa. He's the demented bastard. That is your NXT champion along with Goldie. Uh, speaking of Ciampa, I absolutely love the way Ciampa carries that championship. If you are not a regular NXT watcher, he hugs the championship on the way to the ring. He clenches it as close to his chest as he possibly can. It's it's I've never seen anybody hold the championship like that. It's great. Um, I don't think there's any chance in hell Ciampa's losing this championship. I mean, on, on no plane of existence, do I think Velveteen Dream is winning this championship? I had to hear my notes. I want to ask. I agree 100% with you. I don't think the timing's right. Uh, but again, you know, we, we always have this conversation. This will be another big loss for Dream. I, I wanted True. to ask you, I, I don't think, and I, I think you agree with me. He's not ready for the call up. I think they'll lose what that character is in that transition. Uh, this will completely go over Vince's head, you know, if he's got anything to do with it. I, I don't even trust that those around him are going to understand with what the hell they have with him. He still needs time, he's still very young. When is the time for Dream? When do you see that his run should come? Oh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Because right now, you know, as, as you were saying, you know, it's like, oh, that's another big loss for Dream. Well, do we forget that, you know, the last takeover, he got a huge win when he defeated EC3 at takeover. But you that's know? only one. I, I understand that. But at this point, I guess you would have to consider that the defining win for Velveteen Dream. I, yeah, he's been involved in some good matches, but that's the only one that he has actually won. I feel like if I'm looking at this card, well, number one, I, I, I feel like Shafir and Duke are going to get involved in that women's championship match, but it's two out of three falls. So maybe that happens in the first or the second fall. That's not the finish of the match. But in this match, I almost wonder if there's not a Lars Sullivan sighting. 
if Lars Sullivan somehow gets involved in this. Lars Sullivan defeated Velveteen Dream. Dream is still getting the championship opportunity. That's why I thought maybe they were going to add Lars Sullivan to this match, but that doesn't seem to be the case. But Lars Sullivan and Velveteen Dream, there's still history there. There's unfinished business there. We know that Sullivan and Ciampa have a little bit of history as well. I could see Lars Sullivan rendering his big giant evil troll head and uh maybe that's how we we do something a bit more interesting with this match well yeah maybe that's you know obviously Andy there and then as maybe a little filler for dream you move back to that lars program that exactly. could be the next big the next big one for him is he goes over lars at the rumble takeover lars is a guy that i don't worry is going to get overly lost in transition from NXT. Hell, you can have large put over dream at the rumble takeover and then just, and then debut in the rumble the next night. Yeah. You can easily I mean, do he, that. He, he is someone, as long as they shoot him, right. Vince and them are going to understand him. They understand big bulky, but you got to be able to shoot him. Right. But those angles that they do. Oh, so well to m- really make him look like the monster uh, that, that we see him as, and, you know, kind of speaking to, I was kind of off the top of my head. We're, we always we think about those great runs. I think something that could play great with Dream if you had, you know, his run post WrestleMania, then that's you elevate him to really see what you got. And you have, you know, like the summer of punk, you have the midsummer night's dream Ooh, where that's, that. that's his run there. And that's a legacy that he leaves there, you know, in NXT where he had that incredible run from just post WrestleMania through NXT survivor sh- or uh, SummerSlam. And then we evaluate next time this year. Is he ready? He just doesn't feel hot enough to me. Uh, we talked on the show last week, you know, I was like, holy crap, I just realized Velveteen Dream turned babyface. And it's like, you know, I need more than like, you know, a two-week babyface run to really get behind Dream to have him feel hot enough to win that championship. It's a case, you know, Sparks are real big on him, but they need to pull themselves back and realize how young this guy is. Yeah. We don't need to force anything. This isn't a case of you got to have it now. Be patient. If you're really a fan of his and you think he can really grow, be patient to see how special he really can be. Although there is something appealing. Number one, I, I do like the idea of Velveteen Dream with a championship. I do can like you, that. Can you explain something to me? I always see this comparison. Outside of the tights, I, I don't see the comparison to Rick Rude. No, I don't either. No. I think so many, so many people are just confused by the freaking tights. And to me, there's nothing else between these two. I always, I always, always see that he's a modern day Rick Rude because well, he has fucking airbrush tights. Yeah, I, I don't get the comparisons. Uh, do yourself a favor, go back and watch some Rick Rude stuff. Yeah, I'm not knocking Dream here, but he is nowhere in that class, and there's nothing that reminds me of him. If you want somebody to compare the Velveteen Dream to that is not in his class, Cherry the King Lawler. That's who Dream reminds me of. And that's pretty good company to be in. I mean, he is, you know, we, we talk about Ric Flair as the 16-time World Heavyweight Championship. You ever look up and see how many championships Jerry Lawler won? He's like a 150-time World Heavyweight Champion. It's absolutely insane. It helps when, it helps when you got the book. Yeah, it helps when you got the book. <laughs> absolutely. 
Absolutely. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Very special thanks to editor-in-chief at LastWordOnProWrestling.com, Jamie Greer, for joining us today. Be sure to check out LastWordOnProWrestling.com all this weekend for your Survivor Series and TakeOver needs. Then head over to the Roar Network at TheGorillaPosition.com for even more earhole enjoyment. Also help us celebrate our one-year anniversary at Hameen Media, as well as joining Rick and I in the locker room this Monday. Just simply search Hameen Media on your favorite podcast device. Don't forget, Rick and I will be live this Sunday on twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks. Join us for our special Survivor Series preview crossover with Hameen Media. You can always find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email us at Hitting the Marks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargoRBV. How does the man find you? Well, to remind everyone once again of the huge week going on over on the Hami Media Group platform. Yeah, we're celebrating one year, and we want everyone to join the party. Uh, we've had some spectacular specialty program, but we've already got that in the books. We've got so much more to come. Uh, we're going to have all new episodes of the Horror Junkyard, Friday's installment of The Locker Room, the Pro Wrestling Reflections podcast. And then, outside of what you're hearing here, on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, you're going to get an extra bonus double dip of Jargo and myself as we're going to be joining the Impact Attack. We're going to be there talking a little Survivor Series, giving you our just more detailed takes on what's going to happen there. But then I get the big shebang when it comes to Survivor Series. We're, we're going to want to hear from you. This is going to be a first for us. We are going live Survivor Series call-in pre-show special. That's going to happen Sunday afternoon. Keep your keep your ears open for the exact time we're gonna drop drop that show for you. Hey, you're gonna be able to catch all of all the great content. Make sure you're heading over to hackerhameen.podbean.com. You find it also on Twitch, Twitter, and of course Facebook in the live discussion group. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you Sunday, twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks. Until then, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. I'll be your bad guy. Stop, stop, go!
the bad guy. Your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. 